Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm James Lewis from Simply Serpents. And I'm Carly Jones from My Living Room. Each week, we will discuss what is happening in herpes culture on social media, YouTube, and even on other podcasts. We will share our opinions and thoughts on current events as well as the opinions of you, the listener. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram for interactive polls and posts where you can tell us what you were thinking. Then listen for your name each week as we share your opinions on our podcast. So sit back and relax. Here's the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Hi, we have Riley Jemison here today. I swear to God. <laughs> Carly, I hate you. So you- welcome to the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. That's Carly. She missed a week and now she's got to talk as much as she can to make up I, for it. I waited until you just started to open your mouth. Uh, so this is episode eight. Of the Reptile Gumbo podcast, and yes, is it eight? Enough, really? It is eight. See, oh, it is eight. Okay. See if you pay attention to stuff instead of just trying to work things out. We do have Riley Jemison on, and we'll talk about Riley in a second. We weren't there yet. Someone, <laughs> someone prematurely, uh, Jack. I mean, talked, talked. <laughs> so, anyways, this is episode eight. Welcome back, Carly. We yes, missed you last week. I, I miss you guys too. It was an awesome episode. It was one of our it was one of our best episodes yet. It was really good. Yeah, um, except for the fact that I messed up my sound and it was quite horrible. But the content was I the content was awesome. The content was good. I was very happy. Uh but I missed out. We didn't get to talk about any snake farts or anything. <laughs> um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump into it because We've got Riley on, and he's super prepared, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Oh, but I, <laughs> I do want to talk about Carly's question that you posted over on the Facebook page. Okay. And for those of you that have not been to our Facebook page yet, go there. Uh, hit the like button. Uh, we put up polls and questions and stuff all throughout the week. Comment, and then we'll talk about your comments. We'll bring stuff up. So, Carly, go ahead and talk about what your question was. And it was a very... Uh, well-received one there were a ton of replies yeah um it was uh let's see blah 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 have you ever experienced losing an animal um in one of these ways and i mentioned um in the question about like breeding complications equipment malfunctionings or you know keeper ignorance uh freak accident um what was the first animal that died how did it affect your keeping have you ever had an animal pass away in a manner that you never suspected um and okay, let's see. Yeah, we I got quite a few, and I I have yes, thirty five comments on there. Yeah, but some of them were just me replying to people. Um, I shared mine. I lost my first Cal King. Um, let's see, Brian Hayes. He had this one was gruesome. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. He posted pictures too. Um, he had a large bur- bull bull snake regurgitate a rat on the way up one of the rat's claws ripped the animal's trachea open and as she would breathe the air would escape through the tear and fill her skin up like a balloon she ended up passing at the vets when she began suffocating on a blood clot blood clot from the wound and that's fucking horrifying um and i asked him i was like uh i'm so sorry you experienced that do you know why it regurgitated and he said uh i'm not sure the the snake was a garbage disposal so it's just it's one of those things that i mean we obviously know how the snake died but we don't know why the event that 
you know, you, you feel, oh, you're bringing it up on. Uh, okay. I, was just, I was just pulling up pictures from it. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. the pictures show like the neck area. And if you, if you want to see it, you can go find the question on our Facebook page, but oh. you can see the neck area just like full of air and it looks puff, just ooh, like, yeah. Yep. Um, so that was, I mean, just a freak accident. Uh, let's see. Michael. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, I think one thing I do want to, as we go through talking yeah. about some of these incidents is they happen to all of us. And most of the time it's not really keeper error. I mean, there, granted, there are some times where it's keeper error and I've talked about in the past where I, it was definitely my fault, but like, this is a freak accident. Um, but I think people should know that these exist so that when it happens, they don't, they don't shut down and think, oh, my God, I'm a horrible keeper because this happened. You have no idea that a rat's nail is going to rip your snake's trachea on yeah. the way back out. Especially if he said that this this uh, hair in my fucking mouth, this animal was a garbage disposal. And, like, like I don't know if it had ever regurgitated before. Um, I'm assuming he didn't say yes or no, but, I, like, I don't know. It's just shit happens. Um, yeah, Dallas – up a good one yeah michael copney he lost a northern white lip last week uh sorry i'm just bouncing from yeah bought her from a breeder who was referred to me by a breeder i like and trust not sure why i extended the same trust to a new breeder nor am i sure he didn't have the snake checked and looked over before i took possession um oh okay so he said going forward all snakes i buy will see a certified arav vet um yeah I mean, I mean, yeah, I, that's, that's logical to me. Um, yeah, that's, I, that's I, one of those things you always gotta be careful who you buy from also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm very careful with, if I buy, especially if I buy something online, I, I know who I'm buying. Like the last person I bought from was Nick Mutton. I felt very confident buying from Nick Mutton. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So like, but it's those things you just, you, unfortunately you don't know who you can trust. Um, so just be very careful. Did you see the one that April? Well, of course you see it. You're oh, yeah. looking at, man, that was gnarly. She says, her, pictures. oh, like um, her very first snake got an infection at her cloaca and it took over fast. I, I did all I could um, except maybe waited one day too long. The vet cleaned it out and stitched oh. it up It uh, so that she was giving topicals and antibiotic injections. She was 17. Um, but April was saying she... Does she is happy she has um an offspring and a grandbaby from that snake now? But God, yeah. That... yeah, if you're gonna go look at these pictures, make sure you haven't eaten. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's bad. Pretty rough. It and it sucks. It 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 sucks. Like it's embarrassing and it's humbling. And I I was ashamed. I was so ashamed when my first snake died. Um, or yeah, my your first snake was a baby, right? Um. The okay, I misspoke. The, the... not my my. Not my first snake, but I've only lost one snake. But yeah, she was a baby. And um, you had not had her that long. No. And it wasn't eating for you. No, no. And it was from a breeder. I I would recommend to anyone. Like my cow king now that I got is from that breeder. Um, he it, it wasn't anything that the breeder did. I just I just it just yeah. <laughs> but it's also not anything you did. It, it could it could have just been. Sometimes some some animals just don't eat. Yeah, I mean, she was a slow starter to begin with, and he had to work with her a little bit before he sent her to me. And but she was doing beautifully for him. Um, you know, I I trust I trust him. Um, and it's weird sometimes in shipping, 
they completely change. That's why you always hear that whole, if, like, if, if your snake doesn't eat, take it for a car ride, and <laughs> it will eat. Like, it's just, it's weird stuff. I've and, tried. I mean, we're, we're working in a hobby, trying to, you know, snake has 20-something babies, and in our mind, we're going to sell 20-something babies, and they're going to be 20-something pets out there. But in reality, that's not how nature works. Nature didn't imply for all 20-something of them to make it. Uh, we're kind of going against nature at that point, saying, hey, I'm going to make all 20-something survive. Some are going to die. It happens. And it may sound heartless to some because, I mean, I get it. You get attached to them. But it's just the nature of the beast when you're working with animals. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. What's, uh, what's the first snake that you lost, Riley? Oh, well, uh, my very first snake I ever got when I was eight or nine was a cow king. And I had that animal for a few years and he was an escape artist. And back then they didn't have tanks with like latches or anything. So I just had a fish tank with a sliding lid and that thing got out whenever he pleased. Um, even fell off my neighbor's roof and landed on her one time and screamed. And the only reason I know is because she screamed so loud. We ran over to check on her and she told us and there was my snake. It took him yeah. back home. So thanks. But um, eventually he got out and did return. So that was, uh, that was my first like lost one. But as far as. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean like passing away. Yeah, yeah. Like when I first got into this as a hobby and everything I've had. Shoot. I've had. I've had babies uh, hatch or are born. No, I've never, I guess it's only been things that have come out of eggs, no live birds, but I've had babies hatch and die like the day after or die in the egg or, you know, just starve themselves out. But I have had, I think I had one adult male ball python when I was first getting into the whole breeding side of it, just randomly up and kick the bucket. And nothing was outwardly wrong or anything. I actually went to uh, check on him and move him in with a female um, one last time and he was dead. So I, I, looking back on it, I don't know if maybe I just like overworked him and didn't feed him at all during the breeding season and he just like exhausted himself or what. Um, but after so many years of like producing a couple hundred animals and having a few hundred animals rotate in and out of here, it does happen a very small percentage of the time out of your control. Like, fortunately, I don't think I've ever had anything where like I dropped a rock on anything or, you know, didn't plug it in on a thermostat. And I fortunately knock on wood have not had like a thermostat (laughs) malfunction or anything like that. Um, I've had equipment fail and things get too cold or too hot, but not to a point where like, the, the equipment is no longer usable or anything died. So I've been very lucky, all things considered. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had one or two animals just up and yeah. roll yeah, on one, me. Once you keep as many animals as many of us start to keep, you're going to lose some. It's just, it's a numbers game. And yeah. and a lot of us in, in the beginning may lose some due to keeper error. Um, and I've talked about mine before. I talked about, you know, I, I lost all those baby rainbow boas because I was stupid. Mm-hmm. I didn't put water back in when I was doing and I, mm-hmm. a day went by and they dehydrated because those things dehydrate super fast. Right. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I lost all my boas several years back from some illness. I have no, still have no idea what it was, but so just right. wiped out just the boas, just the red tails and nothing else. Um, that's, I mean, that stuff happens, but right now I've got, uh, and I'll post pictures on the Facebook page uh, once this episode goes live, but I did take my, 
adult female sun glow boa to the vet yesterday because she's had a growth on the end of her nose for a while and it's been very small and not growing so i just kind of ignored it let it go um and but lately it has started to get larger and it has affected the way her mouth closes so i took mm. her um with hopes that once we lanced it open uh it would just be an infection and so my to get to a vet she She's not a true like reptile vet, but she has done work with my reptiles before, and I trust her. Like if something's wrong, she'll find out what's wrong. But uh, we took it, uh, and when she sliced it open, and once she pressed on it, and nothing came out, that's when I started to worry because that most likely means that it's tissue, so possibly cancer, uh, which happens a lot in snakes. I mean, cancer happens a lot. Oh yeah. And so uh, she did get a little bit of something out, and there was some bacteria. So I've got some antibiotics I've got to inject every two days right now, and we'll see how it affects and see if it goes down at all. Um, but if it doesn't go down, then it's most likely going to be uh, some sort of tumor or cancer growth. And, I mean, it's right there on the front of her face, so it's, you know, it's hard to work with. But that's where I'm at right now. It's, it's again, that's not – it happens to people all the time. It's not something you can – you can't stop cancer. Um, yeah, that's a complete fluke. I mean – you could do everything right and have animals contract cancer or liver failure or an enlarged heart or whatever, completely out of your control. That's just, that's how it goes with biological entities. Yeah. It's, that's where I, I always, I always worry about people when they have these situations happen, they only have one or two snakes and it's their first one or second snake. And this happens and they put all the blame on themselves right away. And then once they put all the blame on themselves, like I'm going to get rid of everything. I'm not, I'm horrible with this. I'm a horrible person. And they leave the hobby for something that wasn't their fault. And that happens to people all the time. Uh, but for some reason in our hobby, so many people breed. And I, I feel that so many people, because they breed are afraid to talk about when something goes wrong. They don't want people to go, Oh, well they breed snakes, but they had a snake die from cancer. I don't want to buy a snake from them. When in reality, tons of people have had them die from cancer. It's not a knock on the breeder. It's just what happens when you have that many animals in captivity. Okay. Uh, can you remove, like, okay, James, I'm going to hit you with just a little bit of heat right now. Okay. Um, how come you didn't bring her when you noticed it? Because it was something small. Like I said, it wasn't growing. Sometimes you get just, like, uh, like fatty growths on some of your snakes and this one was just a small little lump on the end of her nose. wasn't affecting her. She was eating fine. She was acting fine. Um, she actually had her babies, and she'd have that little bump on her. And it had been like that for, I don't know, probably a year. Was it uh, like um, like the size of like my pinky nail? Small? Yeah, or... Or, smaller, or smaller. It was just a little bump. And I had taken her out. I looked in her mouth. I couldn't. There was nothing in the mouth, so it was all under the skin. Um, and I felt it. It wasn't very hard. It was kind of soft, and it wasn't growing. And so I didn't take her. Now, and people, they can go ahead and bash me for not taking her to the vet right away. That's fine. But she was fine, so I didn't worry. And then in the last month, it has, like, doubled in size uh, just out of nowhere. And I was like, all right, now I need to get her to a vet and see what's up. And like I said, I, I, will, I, will see, I will see you that one, and I will raise you. Um, there is a coastal carpet sitting to the left of me here who uh, a few months ago, like, well, actually more than that, like six months ago, uh, his glottis was looking a little swollen. And he'd always kind of had like, like, a, just like, I could see where his glottis was basically always as an adult. Uh, I've had this animal since he was a baby and he is a 
2014. So I've had this animal for six years and, um, uh, I've gone through years of cycling with him and feeding and, and giving him breaks during the winter and middle of last year, I noticed that that swelling in his glottis was getting a little bit bigger and I started kind of palpating it and feeling it. And at first I thought maybe like he just had uh, something stuck in there and I need to squeeze it out. And then I kind of left it alone. And a week later it felt harder and round. And then it's grown to the point where he actually has like a noticeable lump in his throat. And you were talking about not taking your, your snake to the vet at first. Um, when it's something little and it's on the nose and it's not impacting her quality of life in any way, I would have done exactly what you did. I would have yeah. just like ride it out, see where it goes. This guy looking at the, the COVID-19 situation we're in with like being careful with money and lockdowns and things like that. I kind of wish I would have taken the snake in before <laughs> it became nearly impossible to do so where I'm at. Um, but I also didn't want to take him during the winter when I have him cooled down and I'm not feeding him. Uh, and that would just heighten his level of stress. And with a slightly immunosuppressed body system, more than likely during the winter time, it would have been a death sentence. So I've actually put off, taking him till better weather and it's just unfortunate that now that there's a lockdown i'm kind of impeded by that because i'm fairly certain it's a tumor given how much it's grown yeah. and uh it's starting to impact his uh ability to breathe a little bit he did eat for me last week but uh it's it's not good <laughs> um so. you yeah you wouldn't i mean like every vet office within 200 miles of where I'm at, I know is closed down just because like, I like a lot of the vet Facebook pages and like they're, I mean, you wouldn't be able to get an appointment yeah. anyway. I, yeah. There's, there's a handful of, you know, reptile vets around me, like within 45 minutes drive and I could probably get them on the phone. Um, but chances are they're cutting back staff and hours and I'm not sure veterinary stuff has been deemed as an essential uh, outing. Cause basically where I'm at here, it has to be an essential sort of thing for you to leave your house, grocery stores, banks, pharmacies, gas stations. Uh, because we're in California also, uh, cannabis dispensaries and, and uh, gun stores are also deemed essential. Nice. So like on one hand, I could see them being open-minded to, your animals needs because our, our pet food supply store is still open. Um, so maybe vet offices are like just on like marginal staffing. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I know if I take him in, it'll be a, a cancerous tumor, uh, of some sort, or at least, at least a tumor growing. So, you know, it either means I remove it, pay a bunch of money, uh, in removing it and there's a chance and a likelihood it'll grow back whether it's cancerous or not. Um, so the question is, you know, when's the good time to go get a couple answers and then make that decision. So let me ask you, because I, I know why I sit and it's, it's, and it may be unpopular for some, but do you weigh the financial I don't say benefit, but do you weigh how much it's going to cost you to get it fixed versus of course every, I mean, I mean, I, I ask just for my planning purposes. Um, I want to know whether I'm putting it on the debit card or one of two credit cards. And I do have a specifically pet care credit card that uh, 
uh, like it, it stages all of your payments. So you don't have to pay it all back at once. It allows you to do it incrementally. And so I save that specifically for pet related emergencies. Um, so I have that. So if, if I feel like I need to get them in, which I'm starting to feel like I need to get them in, um, I can put it all on that credit card and not have to worry about having to pay the entire balance back in one month. They will break it down at like even intervals yeah. so I can do it, you know, over six months or a year. So I'm not necessarily worried about the finances, but there is a question um, based on what those finances entail. Like, are they doing a lot of CAT scans? Are they scoping them? Are, you know, are they going to just like, cut them up and like dissect them and stitch them back together. Cause there is a fine line for me where like based on the treatment options, whether or not it leaves them with a good quality of life or if they'll, or if they'll even survive it because of the stress. Well, yeah. And like every, I mean, when it comes to our family members, like money is not like, you know, if one of our family members is sick, but I, I love my animals so much, but, still like my favorite my corn snake eddie like if something happened to him and i took him in and they hit me with like okay we can do this but it's gonna be eleven thousand dollars twelve thousand dollars i'd be like fuck dude like like yeah. that's i mean like that's still yeah. like well, you know. and, and to me there's there's two sides some people will make you feel bad for putting and a, that's not you that's not that's not I being mean, heartless. That's just being realistic like you, you can't put yourself in in debt like and it's gonna be well then you shouldn't own the animal okay difference of opinion but like you said if it's a couple thousand dollars for removing a tumor and you really don't know if i mean that stuff spreads comes back spreads regrows it's it's hard to, to get rid of two thousand dollars right now you know well yeah especially <clears throat> excuse me especially during the current situation like everybody needs to be careful about what they're spending on what you know you yeah. really can't afford to be um, just throwing money everywhere unless you're rich. And, and it's not, you know, that's a really tough one because it, it basically is when somebody starts asking, it's like, well, we're going to measure how much you love your animal, yeah. how much yeah. you're spent. And like, I get it. You, you should just sort of spare no expenses, but there is, you know, only there's, so much you can do. And there is like, the world we live in. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, there is a realistic aspect. Like if you're like me, Let's say you even have a budget of uh, like $5,000 for emergency expenses. Let's say you just have that like set aside. Say you've got a snake that has uh, a female, uh, say my female jungles over here. One of them has like cancers in her oviducts and I want to get that removed and preserve her because I've had her since she's a baby and she means a lot to me, um, yeah. whether she breeds or not but it's going to cost $5,000 for the surgery and the course of treatments, the, the series of follow-up appointments, stitches, hours of time. Cause that's a very delicate surgery. Um, you know, it's not unrealistic to think that that surgery would cost a couple thousand dollars. And I, as it stands right now, have 68 other snakes in this room that have to be fed, cleaned, and I have to have emergency money for them as well. If I blow my wad on that one animal, what am I, what am I leaving the rest of my collection to Yeah. as far as financial stability? Like there is a balance. And that, and if, if that upsets somebody listening to this, like, I don't know, I, I, it, it's, it's the reality of it. It's the tough thing, pill to swallow. I don't think having to go through that thought process means you 
care for your animals or love your animals any less than someone who does have the money and is willing to pay. I think, I think the problem is people look at making those decisions as being heartless when in reality, it's not heartless. It's just, it's a, it's a matter of fact. You're looking at it as a matter of fact, look, I can either do this and be poor and not know what I'm going to do afterwards, or I can make the hard decision. This one animal will let it live the best quality of life it can until it can't. And everybody else I will take care of and the status quo will remain the same. We'll be good. Uh, I think people just have to, I think people need to chill. Yeah. (laughs) They just need to calm down. Yeah. And that's like, I I couldn't have said it any better. Like it's, it sucks and it's hard and it's, and it's not like, uh, it's not like people like us and people we like associate with are just like, you know, just take it so lightheartedly. Like if, if we like, if either, if any one of us had to let one of our animals go, like it would, it would, it would suck. It it would, it would fucking suck. But like, I, so like, like you guys, I, I'm, yeah, you guys have had animals. Your wait, James, you've had animals. Your yeah, yeah, you were one of those young herpers, right? Yeah. I, I am definitely um, a late bloomer. I, no, no, I was gonna say I uh, like as far as taking an animal to the vet, I definitely, um, I'm in really close contact. Like, so how do I say this? I, I'm not I, trying I to sound. I'm not trying to out. sound like a pretentious asshole or like anything like Look, that. But o- like, it's okay. I, you are a pretentious asshole. Go ahead. <laughs> Coming, coming from you, I'm yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just a regular asshole. Do you know what pretentious means? <laughs> like, I really want to. Look, 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 don't be using big words. You're gonna confuse Ryan. You're the one who Stop used it. the fucking big word. You big dumb bitch. No, okay. I used. You used it. Look, see now you're just being pretentious. See now. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but like, I I do kind of. I mean, at least just like call your vet. Like, like the vet that I have set up to uh, like in case I haven't gone to see him yet, but like I've called him and asked him a couple it's, he's an ARAB vet in Fargo. Um, like I've called him and asked him a couple questions before. And he, I mean, I know there are vets out there who are just like, A-Rab, yes, come in. Come. The, it's association of reptile and amphibian veterinarians. Isn't that what it is? Mm. Yeah, just, I believe we've so. said it. We've said ARAB a couple of times. I just tried to, people that I, were like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure it's a, uh, uh, like association of reptile and amphibian vets or I be- <clears throat> excuse me yeah i believe so i don't know the exact like i'm not google yeah. that but i'm not googling it so i'm gonna ask um, but like i don't know i just kind of i don't know man like i couldn't let that go without at least consulting a vet like if i see like a blemish especially for like a year i don't know like i just i, I don't know like but see i've been around enough animals that if it's something small like that and it's not growing. The, the big thing was it was not growing and there was no change in color. There was no change in behavior. I've seen enough animals where I let that go because, again, 100%. But I want to know, don't you want to know what it is? Like, wouldn't it be like, what if? What I, I mean, if I, that is a tumor? Like, what if? Some, and if it is just a fatty deposit, then you know. But I just, yeah. in my mind, I'm just like, wouldn't you want to know? You know? I do, but I also know the possibilities of what it is. Like when I when I did take her the other day and she cut it open and nothing came out, in my head I knew what that meant. My my vet didn't have to tell me what that meant. I knew that it meant that it's not an infection, uh, which means that it is most likely tissue growth. Mm. But it had been small for a long time. Yeah, I'm not saying for someone else to take it. I'm saying in my situation, I didn't, and I don't second guess it. Uh, 
I mean, it is what it is. And like I said, it didn't grow, really grow over the last month or so. And so, yeah, I mean, should, so should I take it? Yeah, I mean, you can and you cannot. But again, I've seen enough issues where they're not actual issues and there was no reason for me to go spend $300 or whatever. No, and I'm not anything. No, and I'm not saying that. And I know I'm outnumbered here. I know, no, no. I know, Riley, you voice your opinion. I just, for me, like, I, like, I couldn't not know. Like, and if that's it, good. And, that's and, fine. And, like, if I'm not saying, like, you know, like, immediately take your animal to the vet. Why didn't you take it to the vet? I'm just saying, like, uh, 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 I'm just saying, like, <laughs> couldn't you have, like, just kind of maybe, cons- I mean, I know you're probably going to say, like, well, the vet maybe couldn't tell me something I don't already know. And there's only so much you can do on the phone. But for me, I just like, I, you know, there's a possibility that, yeah, it could be just a fatty deposit. It could be nothing. Had, or Had it started growing a year ago and then kept growing and then gotten to the size it is now a year ago, she'd have gone to the vet a year ago. But the fact that it grew, stopped, and it wasn't, it really wasn't overly big. It was noticeable because I noticed it. Then I just let it go. See, I'm thinking like what April posted, like she did everything she could, but the oh, only I, thing that she regrets is she waited a day too long. And I it's, definitely I, could have made the wrong call, but that's, just, but that in my collection, I, I, I weighed the pros and cons in my own collection. I, if someone is in a situation where they own one, two animals and they say they've got a bearded dragon and a lump grows on their bearded dragon's back and that is their family pet and they love it, take it, treat it the same way. I mean, I, I don't want to... I don't want to downplay dogs versus reptiles, but treat it like it is your family pet and take it. But I'm sitting here with 40 something snakes and I've had probably a hundred something more snakes in the past that I've owned. I've seen enough issues where I said, I felt that I felt confident waiting. And so I did. Yeah. So this, this is one where we're going to agree to disagree, but that's like, I, 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 I think I'm calloused on it. Honestly, I think your perspective, Carly is the healthy way to go and just like definitely get, uh, get the professional consult, uh, as soon as you feel there's a valid concern. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I am just, uh, I, I'm, I guess I, I, I'm also on the other side where like, I've seen enough where I know when it's really serious and what is reasonable and what isn't, or at least I think I do, which is probably my, my major fault is because I think I know what I probably don't. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think, uh, I think that's something I've been trying to get better about, which is why I got that care credit card. So I can have, uh, the flexibility to really put that extra foot forward. Should I see something, something go wrong? Um, so yeah. I, and I, I, like, you know, I, I definitely have, I, fuck, dude, like, I respect your, I, I respect your, uh. You, you can disagree with us, Carly, it's fine. Yeah, I, I, like, I, um, I, it's not that I don't see where you're coming from, but, like, I, it's not that I don't see where either you got. <laughs> I don't see where either of you guys are coming from because like you guys have said, you guys have been doing this for a long time. And um, if she's eating and acting the same and she just has a little beauty mark. Yeah. I, fuck. Like it's hard. It's hard. I can yeah. definitely. It is. I, every, every situation is going to be totally different and you're, yeah. it, there's no like roadmap on how to handle like it each time because like there are certain things that tend to be common ailments that people will experience eventually like 
mites or upper respiratory disease or scale rot or an impacted tooth or uh, stuck sheds sometimes can be an issue. Um, you know, really common things that, um, you know, might, might really freak people out that haven't had experience with it. And so, you, you know, as you go through it, you get a little more experience with how to handle it and how to adjust. And then you dial things into the point where you minimize those things from happening. But um, I don't see anything wrong with, with taking your animal to the vet at the, at the first concern. I think that is the best way to do it. And I think if everybody just used that as their default and then use that as a platform and grew from there and learn, I think we'd all become better keepers and, you know, help you out. know what? I, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, Riley. Were you? No, I'm done. Go for I, it. Yeah. I, that, that just, um, I don't know. I don't know what you say. You saying that like made this like jump into my head, but maybe, maybe it's because of my experience that I'm more, uh, I'm more trigger happy to call my vet, consult my vet because I, okay. I, do you guys know what I'm saying? Like because yeah. I've no, only... there's nothing wrong with that. No, what, because... I think that's great. The two of us agree, Carly. What you did is what the average person should do. Uh, but there's tons of people like myself and Riley who are who are gonna wait, right, wrong, or indifferent. We, we do. Um, and like I said, at some point, I have to weigh out the financials of it. I mean, I, I'm not keeping a collection with a surplus of money in the bank to spend all my collection. I'm I'm very much one of those who's Paycheck to paycheck, I can take care of my collection. When something big comes up, oh mm-hmm. shit, I got to make hard decisions. And, and and they may seem heartless. And there's gonna be plenty of people that go, well, then maybe you shouldn't own what you have. Oh. Maybe you shut the fuck up. I don't no. I mean I'm gonna own whatever. Yes. I want. No. Yeah, see, the thing oh. is, is, no one, no one can predict those things from happening. Yeah. So to say you shouldn't own them is just very like. Oh, it's just not the whole picture. But, you but know what, what I mean? That's what you'll get, especially as soon as you post uh, a sick animal on Facebook. There's going to be five people that reply oh. to go, well, if you couldn't take care of that, then you shouldn't have it. And it's well, those how many, kind of, Yeah. How many people have – things that, like, that cause people to get out of the hobby because people treat them that way. And, and, and how I, many people have dogs that, like, get hit by cars and have to have, like, traumatic major well, surgery I, and those people can't afford that? Like, it's the same damn thing. Just because yours has fur and mine has scales and you can't relate to it doesn't well, mean Exactly. The last dog I had, it was my dog. Uh, she was old. She was 14, 15. Oh, my. Uh, she had basically tore her MCL, ACL, one of them, and her Ooh, back legs. Ouch. So the options were put her through surgery she may or may not make it through because she's 14 15 years old and then let her live an extra year or two after surgery or which was the hardest one of the hardest decisions i've ever made put her down which we did and that was horrible um but one thing that did make it easier for me was that my vet is the one person i trusted when she said look these are your options and she said i think you should put her down it made that decision much much easier for me to make when she goes yeah, that's, there's, there's no reason to put her through this. That's a yep. good vet. Honestly, like uh, yeah. when we had to put my childhood dog down, my vet said like if you guys – because he broke both his um, – he was a, an older dog too. He broke both his um, front legs at, at the same time. And um, we could have like got him in a cast. You know, he would have been miserable. Like, But he would have healed, but he would have only lived – you know, that vet said like if you had chosen anything other than – to humanely euthanize the animal, I wouldn't have gone through with it. Like that's yeah. a good vet to say, like, 
like no man and yeah like james i i hope like man if anyone like don't even think about about coming after james and saying like hey i really do think you're wrong because i will personally i will personally message you to go fuck a duck okay because he he, james i hug you james loves his animals just as much as me and riley we we would like we love our animals and like what you know like we're, we're just we're just three people shooting the shit about a little bit of a touchy well, topic. And, and, I, and I looked at you You talked about vets closing down because of all this. I went to my vet the other day, uh, Thursday, just to just talk to her. I took pictures yeah. of it. And I was going to go talk to her. Um, and of course, I walked in and she was in, she had just gone into surgery. So I was like, shit, I can't talk to her. Mm-hmm. I said, they said, well, leave a leave her a note. So I left her a note and then I made sure to make that they knew that I used to work at the zoo because she used to be our our vet at oh. the zoo before we got a full time vet at the zoo I worked at. And so I made sure she that when they told her that she knew who I was. Um, so that when I came in the next day, cause they called me and said, yeah, bring her, bring her in. We'll, we'll do it. Um, she goes, she told me, she goes, James, if it had been anybody else, I wouldn't be doing this right now because she was like, <sighs> it, she's not a snake vet, but she will work on it for me. Yeah. And so that was, it's important. If you are someone, it's important to make connections with your vet, know your vet, talk to your vet. Don't just be a, a random person showing up with a snake or a lizard or a tortoise because sometimes they're going to say no because if it's just somebody showing up off the street with a six-foot boa and she has no idea who they are, mm-hmm. she's probably not going to feel safe doing anything on that snake. Yeah, yeah. But because she knows me, it was different, and I, and I appreciate the hell out of that because there's nobody else in this town where I am that I really trust to work on my snakes because we don't really have a reptile vet. The closest reptile vet is two hours away in Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a jaunt. Like, and yeah. just just to even like, you don't have to like do what I did and like call the vet be like, "Hi, my name's Corey." You know, like <laughs> I just want to let you know if I ever need you, I'm coming. Like, 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 like a tray of cookies over there. Yeah. And... <laughs> Hi guys, how you doing? It, it it makes a big difference if you do get to know your vet before you have to have anything major happen. Like it really yeah. does make a big difference. Um, I mean, I've it, I've I've gotten to know my local vet that I go for my private stuff, and then as far as my veterinary team at work, like you become very close with them and things just go a lot better. It just mm-hmm. gets a lot easier. Communication is more fluid, getting you the medication, getting things done timely and everybody just being like on the same level all the way through. It mm-hmm. makes a world of difference. And I've been very fortunate enough to have stellar veterinary teams uh, throughout my career and then live somewhere where I've got access to a lot of good reptile vets. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give my heartless moment for a second, and I just want to see if you've ever had, experienced anything like this, Riley. Yeah. So when I was working at the zoo, we would get um, uh, we we had rat traps. We'd catch rats every now and then live, and then or like uh like injured squirrels that obviously injured, and we we needed to put them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my first experience was all right. We they found it. I brought it to them. Like, all right, we're gonna put it down. I was like, we didn't put it down. Well, we're gonna give it an injection. I was like, we'll just I'll go kill it real quick. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, we or we can give it an injection." I was like, "Yeah, but that costs money." Like, well, yeah, I was like, "Just, I'll be back in a minute." And so I go Help off. So I take a trash bag, put it in a trash bag, find a brick yeah. wall, and we're done. And then it costs nobody any money. And it's like, and it's, it's quick. It's it's quick. quick. But that's that's one of those things where I'm like, it's it's a weird world between like medical world, like vets and all, and the way they work, and then like just us who have found ways to function. Yeah without having to spend all this money. I'm thinking, you're going to give this random squirrel that you, an injection 
to put it, to put it down that costs money. That, that's something that we could have to use later on. I'm like, that just blew my mind. It's like, let me yeah. get that real quick. Well, so, so I work in an AZA accredited facility. So we are, uh, you know, we have to abide by these standards put forth by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, and what that means is whether it be a collection animal or a wild native animal, if it requires euthanasia, it has to be done humanely. And they have guidelines for that, depending what it is. Um, and I have had to, not at my current position, but at a previous facility, um, I have had to dispatch rats and pigeons. And there are ways to do it um, where it, uh, according to the science, it is rather painless if done appropriately in a one quick movement. Yeah. And, uh, and you just sever a, a vital, uh, uh, spinal column and it just separates the nerves and they just, that's it. Um, and it essentially, you just put your, your front two knuckles together around the head and the rest of the body. And if you give it a one quick jerk and See, you've done it right, you can use that. The downside is if you don't pull enough, then you got to keep going. And if you pull too hard, then you've got two. That is is why I don't don't kill rabbits. Uh, Well, I used to feed rabbits to some of my snakes. My rabbit guy, uh, who also bred meat rabbits, was pretty good at taking the head, the body, pulling, and being done. And so, like, he'd come to the zoo, and we had to get rabbits from him. And he'd bring, you know, six or seven live rabbits. He'd kill them for me real quick, and we'd throw them in the freezer. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So I tried it one day. I will never fucking do that again. Oh, no. Because cause if, if, cause they scream. Yep. If you don't kill them right away, they scream. And it is, scream. It is oh. horrifying. Oh, so I, from that point on, it was like, all right, I had a I had a stick, a big heavy stick. Grab them by the back of the legs. Thunk right behind the head. Thump and them. they're out. Yeah. Yep. That uh, is really quick too. That if you if you make contact with something real good, that is super quick. Oh, yeah. That's they're gone. Unofficially, I'm a huge fan of that. I know. Uh, I want to go out that way. <laughs> if need, um, uh, I will tell you that rodents, uh, rabbits, and rats and mice take a little more, you know, like good grip and yank. Birds do not. Oh, no. That'll <laughs> pop off. You got to be careful. Riley. Do that in a trash bag. Yeah. Just set it up in a trash bag and do that. And those are good first ones to tr- practice with. If you ever find yourself in a situation where that needs to be done, don't go up just killing animals. That is not what I'm promoting. <laughs> no. I am saying if there is an actual legitimate need. If yeah, I was not killing sick, bunnies for fun. No, God. No, 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 no. no. So when, whenever I had to dispatch rats, it's because they had gotten into a trap and were injured or poisoned mm. or something like that. Whenever I had to deal with pigeons, it was because they either flew into a pane of glass or ate something toxic or something like that, and they had to be yeah. put down. Um, well, I had someone bring me rabbits once. I, I asked for rabbits, and I used to get uh, I used to get them for free. They were old show rabbits, or there was something wrong with them, and they couldn't use them for shows. And so uh, she would bring me rabbits for free, but she'd bring them alive. And so I asked for some, and she I was expecting four, about four-ish. She shows up with like eight of them. I was like, all right. So I went to my back porch. I was like, had all eight of them sitting there alive. Oh, I was like, let me go through this. And that is the moment where I found out how many rabbits I can kill before I feel like a monster. And the answer is four. And four rabbits, any more than that, I felt like, especially when they're sitting there staring at you, killing their friends. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I was like, you have to take these other four home. I, I'm yeah. four, other four have to go. I'm like, I can't, Steve, I, 
You bastard! You killed Philip! You motherfucker! I I was like, Um, alright, so four is apparently my limit before I feel like a monster. And and before, like, if anyone's taking this the wrong way, like, I, if, if anyone, like, I have, I am a highly emotional, empathetic person. Yes. Like, I cry all the time. Like, and, um, but what makes a person intelligent is, like, I'm not saying I'm far, I, I'm far from, like, educated and intelligent on a lot of things, but you have to, you have to be able to separate your heart and your mind sometimes. Like, like. When we were talking about, like, you know, God, like, me as 12 years old, I would have been like, like, no, you shouldn't, like, when you were talking about, um, you know, euthanizing, like, the squirrel with an injection or thumping it, like, me now, it's like, fucking thump it, like, thump it hard, like, <laughs> but, like, me, like, at 12 years old, being the little animal lover, like, not knowing any better, being a little just a little shit, you know, be like, I think that's cruel, that's inhumane, you should do it. Yeah, that's, so that's something I'll point because... I feel like people go, oh, you kill, you'll kill rats and mice. You don't love animals. No, 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 no. I no. love them. I have to feed animals. Like, one, if one's animal's injured, killing it's the best option a lot of times. Don't let it mm-hmm. suffer. And then two, I always hate folks that get mad at reptile people for feeding mice and rats to animals. And they go, how cool that is. I'm like, yeah. it's cooler if I go, all right, guys, all you get are carrots. Yeah. Like, like people that want to turn their dogs into vegans. I'm like, your dog is not a vegan. No, it's not. It's you not get a vegan. whole grain, grass fed. Like, yeah. Your dog, your dog is related to wolves. They they eat yeah. meat. Yeah. So I'm like, it doesn't make you less less of an animal lover. To me, you're far more of a less of an animal lover when you're the person that goes, I don't like snakes. Because well, that's the... like, well, then like you don't like animals. I love dogs and cats. That's that's unanimal. Yeah. That's not all animals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. To rat. So I had uh, I I had a, an interesting experience that sort of ties the first and second topic together that we were just talking about. Like Ooh. at what at what point uh, is it financially like? At, where's your line as far as what you do for your animal? And then the whole feeding humanely thing or killing humanely. Um, I just thought of this. So years ago, uh, down in Santa Barbara. I say it like it was in the past lifetime. It was not way back when. Way back when there was, pro- it was gather, probably gather like, round, children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could honestly, I could look at the feeding card and and see when it was if I really wanted to. Um, but that, this that sounds like work. This this college uh, this college girl where. I was living, okay, it was in 2017, July 24th, 2017. So this was, this was way back then, two and a half years ago. Um, a girl who was living in uh, an apartment across the street from like a place I lived a few years ago, she had uh, a pet rabbit and she had been having a party in college. And somehow it broke its leg. She had this rabbit loose in the house, whether it was stepped on or it was the fall from the two-story balcony when it ran out the front door <laughs> that broke its leg. Anyway, this this thing's hind leg was fully snapped. And that shouldn't she, be as funny as it is, but holy <laughs> shit, I'm picturing this rabbit just taking a stage dive. That's what happened. I mean, that's it, it happened in whichever scenario you picture it. I'm just not sure if it was stepped on first or if that just didn't happen. Um, but either way, 
she came in, I found out about this cause she came to the pet store that I used to help out with like shows and the breeding and stuff like that. And, uh, the girl had bought the rabbit as a pet from the store a few days prior. Like it was a baby rabbit, like maybe a pound at the mm-hmm. time she bought it. And, uh, she brought it in because it had, uh, like infections and flea mites and she had been keeping it in a diaper and letting it roam free around the house and it had this what? leg. Yeah, and she said the vet was going to charge her like $1,000 for all the surgery and this and that. And so she didn't want to pay for $1,000 for this rabbit, right? I could see that. So she called the store, brought it to the store. The owner at the time uh, was going to offer to humanely feed it to one of his big red tail boas. She brings it to the store and it turns out both of his big girls are deep in shed and want nothing to do with this rabbit. Yeah. So he's like, take it home. I will call around and see who I can find with the big snake. Cause there's no way this girl in college could afford a thousand dollar surgery on this $25 rabbit. She just bought. Yeah. Um, and she had already paid $300 to get it painkillers and like the initial inspection. And she did take it to the vet, and it was all drugged up and like mm-hmm. loopy. Like, but it had this full, it had this floppy oh. leg on the back. It just was dead weight. Oh um, God! And uh, and so I get the call, and he's like, "Do you have anything big enough?" And I looked around, I was like, <laughs> "I don't know, dude. Like, I don't keep anything that big. My biggest carpets would probably be fine." So I was like, "I'll give it to a carpet python." I'm like, that'll be cool. And I bring it back or I go pick it up. I go to this apartment and uh, she gives it to me in a, uh, a Victoria's Secret lingerie bag. <laughs> and I look and, it, and I see, and I just like, okay, it's alive. I put it in a box so it doesn't get out of the box in my car. I drive it home and I, and I go to the carpet pythons cage, this massive, like seven foot overfed pet female or pet male, actually just a big boy. And I, and I open the door, like I'm going to feed him and I reach into the bag and I pull the rabbit out and it's way bigger than I'm thinking. This thing is like a pound plus. And I look at it. I'm like, there is no way. He should eat that. He's still yeah. species out of Australia where they eat wallabies. It'll be fine. Right. So, like, I was like, ugh. And I looked around, and none of my other females were like, and I just looked, and I have this absolute monster of a, a Brazilian rainbow boa that uh, I got six years ago as an adult from these guys that were, like, slamming her live jumbo rats once a I month. Just- I remember you dude. saying that in your podcast. <laughs> dude, she was 12 pounds when I got her. Jesus Christ. Are dude, you? She was about four inches in diameter. Plus. Baby got back. That's, a, that's the size of a boa. That's the size of a red shell boa. <laughs> she had fat rolls. The The top of her back uh, dipped down. She um, got back. And and so she was a monster. Uh, and so I, I was like, well, this is officially the biggest snake I have. So it's odd saying that for a rainbow boa. <laughs> I open the cage and she's wide awake because it's like the evening now. And I throw the rabbit in. The rabbit lands on the snake, backs up into a corner. And they both have this like two second Mexican standoff. Make a move, motherfucker. <laughs> And then the snake grabs it by the face and it was done. Oh, and it was silent. And I had told my girlfriend, I was like, I'm going to close the door, close the door, go through a couple of the doors, close some doors. Cause rabbits scream. Mm-hmm. I let her know. 
and it was dead silent. So it, nothing happened. Um, but she took a shit that looked like a rabbit <laughs> afterwards <laughs> and it smelled like a rabbit. It lives again. I, I love that you it, have, you have carpet pythons, which like a big seven foot carpet. I'd, I'd try that, but no, you went with the rainbow boa, the giant rainbow boa. That's impressive. She, she, she was a freak of nature at that size. I've slimmed her down. She's no longer like 11, 12 pounds. She's more like eight or nine. Is she at um, least like seven foot? She's six and a half feet for okay. sure. Um, she's about as thick around as a Coke can when she's not breeding. Um, that's keeping her lean, honestly. she's She looks better when she's a little bit bigger. Um, right now she's gravid, and so she's about, you know, five inches in diameter. She's just a monster. That's crazy. Um, her first litter was uh, 34 live babies and one stillborn. And then uh, and then that was when I, like, really took a chunk out of her weight and was leaning her down. And then two years later, she had another litter that was 22 live babies, no slugs, no stillborns. And so this will be her third litter, and I'm probably expecting 20 or less. So I, I listened to your podcast, uh, I forget, a couple of episodes ago. And I wish I had heard that information like five months ago, but you talked about having the snakes together. It swells up. You think they breed, everything went, then you separate them to come to find out that it was just a ovulation swell and it wasn't. So I had my rainbows together. They bred for a week straight. They separated completely. Didn't want anything to do with it. It looked like she had swollen, like she was ready to, uh, like she was having babies. Uh, four and a half, five months pass, nothing. And now I just have a female that obviously did not get impregnated. And I, if I had kept the male with her the whole time, then they probably would have tried to go again yep. and I'd end up getting a litter. That's yeah, why I've, I've, done, I've done that twice with the, the same pairing, actually. I did it two times with the same pairing. You want to know what the real kick in the nuts is? The female died, so I never oh. got a clutch out of her. Well, that's, I've got my, my male up here in the cage behind me. I've got to get a baby out of him. He's... The, I've only ever bred them successfully one time, really, really trying one time. Wow. And that was back in college. And then I killed most of that litter. Uh, yeah. The I male need, that in question of mine is the one with the big tumor in his throat. I've had him since he's a baby, never gotten anything out of him. And he's like three generations of uh, Balin tiger bred back in. And he's like the perfect stripe. Like the breeder uh, has asked to buy him back from, from me. And I can't because he's, He's jacked up, and I can't just ethically do that to my buddy. That's my male rainbow, I think, is he's 17 or 18 now. Um, oh, nice. And the female is actually probably close to that age, too. I bought her as an adult three years later after I got him as a baby. Uh, and I'm like, I've got to get one baby out of him before he goes. And oh, so you, that, dude, you've got another decade with those animals. Yeah, I just, I was really hoping that this past one, I was like, oh man, come on. And then nothing happened. I was like, I've got to get, I just want one. I want one baby from him because he's the first snake that started everything. Yeah. And like, yeah. I need to you keep can do that it. going. You can do it. I've got a, a Puerto Rican boa at work who is, uh, according to his records, born the day before me. So that's wow. a 30 wow. year old Puerto Rican boa. That's that awesome. awesome. Dude's the man. He's awesome. He's a great snake. All right, so I'm going to move us past all the sadness about us uh, having animals die. and. <laughs> I want to talk about killing more. <laughs> let's, let's get past the killing. So, Video games? <laughs> so I, uh, I, I post once, uh, once a week after our show 
for the next week for anybody to suggest anything they would like us to talk about. And I got three this week, and so I kind of wanted to hit on them. Um, the first one I want to talk about was from Lance Kirkman. He suggested I watch uh, Reptile Mountain TV, which I've never actually watched Reptile Mountain TV on YouTube. I love uh, TC. Which is TC Houston, which is another name that I've heard a lot, but I don't actually know why I've heard his name a lot. Uh, but the video, the reason he wanted to talk about it is it's um, the Better Care Challenge, which is kind of like that ice bucket challenge. Um, he wants everybody to just do one thing to improve the welfare of your animal and then take a picture of it, post it, tag someone, challenge them to do it. And when he says do one thing, I mean, add a stick to their enclosure, add some leaves, add a bigger water dish, put them in a bigger tub. Just it doesn't have to be build them a four foot tall arboreal cage just something small to change it up, you know, add, add some sense to their cage to give them some sort of enrichment. Um, and mm-hmm. so I thought that was, I thought about that. I was like, that's, that's really cool. Um, because especially like we start keeping so many snakes in tubs and we just, we take care of them. They're healthy. They're fine. But I never think maybe I should just throw like some floral arrangement from Michael's or Hobby Lobby in there just to give them something to crawl around, hide under. Uh, so one thing, one thing that I like to do, and I got, <laughs> excuse me, I got this idea from, um, I was listening to uh, some older episodes of NPR, M- and Owen was saying what he used to do, I can't remember if it was like first personal animals or the zoo or whatever, but you know those um, magazines where uh, you get those little like stickies with the scents, you the know? Scent, the perfume and stuff? Yeah, when I tried that, I threw it into... Um, I mean, naturally, my ball python was like, what the hell is that? And like, get mm-hmm. it away from me right now. But all my other ones, like, they were, they just, I'd never seen them have that reaction to a scent before. Like, you, even. You should watch like a tiger. When a tiger finds perfume for the first time, the face <laughs> they make is hilarious. Yeah. Is it, it really? It, it scrunches up. It looks like they're going to sneeze. They look. <laughs> Yeah, I that flame that flaming response. So oh. it, it, that's a it's a crucial thing in zoos to actually institute behavioral enrichment programs yeah. like that, animal department wide, and that's like a, a standard now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fun because when you have the time to actually sit and just like you've gotten everything done, you can think about it and think outside the box. You can really come up with some simple like fun stuff like. We have a zoo camp that um, the kids come through and they're really little, so they don't give them too much complicated stuff. But what they'll do is they'll give them like toilet paper tube rolls and they'll let the kids like draw all over them and write their names and stuff on them and punch holes and stuff in them. So they end up becoming like little puzzle feeder sort of things. And they'll give them to me uh, in the morning when they got camp and they'll, we'll time it so that when they come through the building, I'll put those little tube feeders in with like one of the exhibits with our poison dart frogs and I'll dump a bunch of like fruit flies or pinheads in them so that they like start coming up and they start coming out of the hole and the frogs will congregate around these little like tube feeders and then the kids recognize them because it's got their names and their drawings and stuff all over them and they get all stoked seeing like frogs climbing in their little you know, <laughs> toilet paper tubes that they've drawn on eating flies. They, yeah, they so get to we, help. They feel like they're helping. Yeah, so that's that. just really simple. We yeah. would do that, and the smaller, like the smaller groups, would get like a box, and they put stuff in it. We give it to a bear. We put like apples and stuff. Mm-hmm. Give it to the bears or cats. And then uh, a couple times, the older kids would do paper mache. There was one. There's a, a picture of a giant paper mache giraffe that they ended up 
putting in with the lions. So you get like this image of the, the lions jumping on top of this giant paper mache giraffe and tearing it open. That's um, awesome. So that kind of stuff's fun. I, uh, I that's one thing I wish I miss being a zookeeper. And I and one thing I hate about it was that I I did it so young, right out of college. Had, had I been a zookeeper now and everything I know now, I would do it completely differently. I didn't yeah. do a lot of the enrichment or a lot of training stuff I would like to do. Uh, it was more just like training. keeping things clean and stuff like that. Yeah. Training is fun. Enrichment, dude, like for turtle and tortoise keepers, put a pile of rocks in your tortoise cage and watch him lose his mind for like five hours a day for the first two months <laughs> it's in there. Trust me. It's I, that I, simple for like, you think outside the box and sometimes less is more like putting a log in a pool for a turtle that never had a log in the pool. He's going to lose his mind. He's going to be all over that thing forever. swap it out do things like that like you know if you know you have a a pretty secure collection as far as uh the biosecurity you can take something from uh a certain animal's enclosure and put it in with another and watch them lose their mind over the scent like for instance if i took a log out of one of my kribos cages and put it in with my savannah monitor he would be all over that thing for weeks You know what I mean? Um, So it can be as simple as that. It can be as simple as rearranging their home, switching up their substrate, giving them a different hide, you know, like little things like that. It doesn't have to be crazy, but Mm -hmm. um, you'll see behavior changes for sure. So I said that was on Reptile Mountain TV and the video, I think it's from like January 28th because I think I remembered it was from my birthday. but it's like better care challenge. Let's raise the bar on reptile care. Go find that video, watch it and, and try some of that. Try doing something just, I mean, it doesn't take much seriously. And if you're going to add like a stick or something, uh, there's tons of places you can find online. that tell you how to bake it, clean it before you don't just take stuff from outside and throw it in your cages. Cause that's a whole different yeah. can of worms. But so that was, that was the first suggestion uh, from a listener. Uh, the next one I thought was kind of cool was from Ryan I'm going to mess up this last name. I think it's Gustalo or Guslo. I don't know. I, I, I apologize, Ryan. But it was a post that he had tagged in there from about Nile crocodiles in the Everglades. And it was from an incident that actually happened like six years ago. But uh, they found these uh, released Nile crocodiles. They caught them. There's no evidence of a, of a population, a reproducing, uh, reproductive population. But like the biggest Nile croc they, they caught out of that group was, I think, six foot. Whoa. And I just, I know, I'm just thinking that's crazy having to go out of the Everglades to catch an owl crocs because yeah. I've worked with owl crocs and they they didn't like me and I couldn't imagine having to go catch them in water that I can't see. At least at the zoo, I can uh-huh. see the bottom. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought that was a cool. I, that's on on our Facebook page. If you go find that, um, it talks about how they had to catch these owl crocs. But don't worry, there's no proof of a population of owl crocs in the Everglades. So. <laughs> No one freak out that there's 18 foot crocodile just roaming the Everglades. Not yet. <laughs> give, give it time. But that kind of leads into the third suggestion I have, which is from Paul McIntyre, which we met at Carpet Fest, Southeast Carpet Fest. Paul was down there. Uh, but he wanted to so we could talk about the new Florida law changes. And I know that's been all over a lot of things like the, uh, the iguana and the tegu thing um, where they've added them to CSP, which I had to look up CSP because I didn't know it was conditional prohibited and non-native species permits um so basically you could still breed and sell out of state with the permit you cannot breed and sell in state um but they're also trying to get 
all the animals on that CSP list prohibited completely, which would mean you can no longer breed uh, scrubs, berms, uh, water monitors. You can no longer import them into Florida. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed to have them there at all, uh, which <laughs> right. is insane. I know, right? <laughs> which I think is insane. I, the, the problem I have with a lot of that is I get that for Southern Florida, but if anyone's ever been in Florida above Tampa, it's not the same place. Like if you get to like Tallahassee, there's no fear of a giant population of Burmese pythons roaming the streets of Tallahassee. It's just, it's just not going to happen. They're going to freeze to death on the first cold snap that comes through. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I worry about those kinds of things where they try to outlaw for an entire city. You can't even import breed or anything. Um, I'm all, I'm all for permit systems on certain animals. I'm all for that. I'm not for the complete outright, you cannot have it, because then you turn innocent people into criminals overnight. I need no, to be good comes from, no good comes from a blanket statement ban. No yeah. good. Yeah. You're going to marginalize and upset somebody. And that doesn't need to happen. I need to be better about uh, being proactive about things that are happening. I used to, like, um, uh, what are we, oh my god, I'm fucking blanking. Um, Go figure. And it, oh, what's what's that? What's that organization that helps us reptile keepers? US fight? Arc. Thank you. US Fuck Arc. me. <laughs> I was I was thinking of Arab. I was like, it's not Arab. Um, I used to read all their newsletters religiously. I used to have their notifications. Like every time they posted something, I'd get a notif- notification. Are you messaging me, James? No, oh, it's that April. Is, that's April in our okay. in our private chat, just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I used to be a a lot more proactive about that stuff and actually like you know because they have like a list of things that you can do and i used to be a lot more active on that because it affects all of us um so yeah i need to get better about doing that i'm gonna fucking start tonight i'll tell you what but yeah that's that's i'll tell you what what. it's ludicrous and and just it's it's crazy to think like the things that they're banning there's so much worse out there that you could ban. Like no one thinks about banning cats as a pet, but but mm. but, but they can live everywhere. Like we're talking just South Florida for reptiles. I mean, even on the cold snap in the Everglades, they have snakes die. Cats are killing native wildlife everywhere, but because they're cute and fuzzy, we don't talk about having to make a permit system for owning a cat mm-hmm. or for oh, breeding I'm- a cat. All I'm saying is the government was never built or designed to take care of us, like, as far as our daily lives. They're designed to institute law and order, keep everything running and going, but as far as what we do with our daily lives, that's not what it's for. No. We, we're adults. Why can't we figure out what is acceptable for a middle ground, find a compromise where everybody can get what they want. If people don't want things to be willy nilly, then they won't be willy nilly. Well, if they they don't want it everywhere, we can find a middle ground. You can let people have these animals. You can do it in a regulated professional, you know, documented and safe way. There's always a safe middle ground. Always. Well, it's like, I know on, on the little rundown thing that you, you filled out, you talked about, um, the, the spider gene and the jag gene. And, we, and we've talked to that, that, that before on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I've heard it was Dave Kaufman who talked about people telling him that 
the government should step in and outlaw people being allowed to produce these animals. And that's a horrible, horrible, slippery slope that once they outlaw one snake, they will outlaw all of them. Yeah. I mean, you won't be able to own a Rosie Boa. His, his video, his point on that could not have been said better. Yeah. Like he nailed it. He really nailed it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, all you have to do is go on YouTube and look up Dave Kaufman's reptile adventures hit his video tab, scroll down, and I'm not sure which one it is. It's probably... I think it says spider in the... I think he made a, a, a dedicated video for it, right? Yeah. I got it. I'll look it up. Yeah. But you keep talking. But it was... Yeah, I mean... so you'll find it. It's down there. And uh, Dave Dave is very well-spoken. He knows how to be very... Um, Diplomatic? Yeah, like he just knows how... To, to speak on things from a, a kind of a neutral way to really just convey that he understands both sides of the argument and he's just giving facts as facts and kind of and then he'll tell you what his opinion is and then he'll also lay down a little bit of history for you and he just nails it. He absolutely puts it together in the perfect you know. It's a non-argumentative way. He, he gives information in a non-argumentative way because we are in a hobby that if you if you try to fight something by trying to be the loudest and yelling and arguing about it, you'll always look crazy. I mean, because they all automatically think that, oh, you own 20 snakes? You're insane. So if, if I try to argue why I should be able to own them while yelling and being very defensive about it, it will never work. Whereas if you go watch that video, Dave does it in a very calm way and explains why and that's i think everybody needs to learn how to do that because we all at some point have these conversations whether they be with a coworker, a relative a random person when they find out you own a snake a lizard a turtle uh they want to tell you how crazy you are for owning them yep you've got to find a way to deliver your point of view calmly and and with evidence i mean you find, go out there there's enough research in this stuff find some evidence uh because when you argue that point, you're not just arguing it for yourself. You're arguing it for every other person that owns those animals. And so that's why I'm always very careful with how I express, you know, when I'm talking to other reptile people, I may get a, a bit excited about how I feel about some of the stuff. But when I'm talking to somebody else trying to prove my point, I try and do it calmly. Um, I, I, you never are going to win by calling someone stupid for what they think. Don't, don't do that. Um, and so, you know, when someone suggests something like, they, the government should step in to outlaw the breeding of these certain species or these certain uh, genes. That That's crazy talk, but you've got to understand why it is. I mean, you don't want them to step in and going, all right, guys, you can, you can only drink Pepsi. We're getting rid of Coca-Cola. You can only drink Pepsi because first off, Pepsi sucks. No one wants to drink it. <laughs> and so, but it's, it's that kind of, like, it's that kind of thing that when they start stepping in on little stuff, it becomes bigger and bigger. Once they realize they've got the power, and that's how all this Lacey Act stuff went. They stepped in and had U.S. Lark not stepped back and said, look, guys, uh, you know, pump the brakes here. They would have added everything to that list. We wouldn't be able yeah. to keep corn snakes anywhere. Yeah. I have a thought. Okay. Oh, by the way, the video is just called My Thoughts on the Spider Gene or My Thoughts on Spiderball Pythons. I exit out of it. But I think, James, it, I think – Either it was just a text between me and Ryan or me and Ryan and, like, the whole chat. Um, Garrett Hartle should be a lawyer for um, – yes. uh, because yeah. he has such – like, he has – I'm pretty sure. He's he, on it. Yeah. <laughs> he has such a way with words, and he's so – I don't know. I just think I could see him, like, 
doing a because he, he talks circles around stuff and, and he do it forever. He, he real smart. Yeah. He's very smart, like. Yeah. He yeah. One, he one of them smart guys. He's yeah. smart feller. I tell you what, if I bet he's I, read a book or two, I, and it's... I tell you what, he a far smeller. <laughs> I mean, a, a smart feller. Oh. Uh, oh, so kind of going along those lines, I do want so this ties in. Follow me here. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up on here was there's a new podcast out that I somehow stumbled across and was super happy about. Uh, it is called Boa Rack Radio, which the reason I'm so excited is because there's like there's no other like Boa centralized podcast out there. I've been listening to NPR and I've been listening to to Riley for a while, and I've been listening to like uh, Justin, and they all talk about carpet pythons, and I like carpet pythons. But my first snakes I really got into were boas. Uh, so this, I listened to the first episode of Boa Rack Radio, and they had Thomas Cobb from Boa Addicts on. And the reason it ties into this is he told a story about when he lived in Utah. Uh, he was outside cleaning uh, the tubs, his new vision tubs for a boa rack. A neighbor called the cops because they thought he was, those were grow tubs because he was growing marijuana. <laughs> in oh my God. So the cops showed up, asked them what he was growing, and he wasn't growing anything. They took him, took him into the basement, showed him all the boas. They went back, they reported it, they were cool with it. Well, apparently someone from code enforcement or whatever got involved, and they came and they told him he couldn't have the snakes uh, because he couldn't have uh, exotic animals. And so he went through this whole big thing. They said he had to have a permit. He went to go get the permit. The woman at the permit office says, oh, yeah, well, we don't have a permit for that because no one's ever asked for it. So we don't actually have it drafted. And then they tried to get him to get rid of all of his boas, and USR got involved, and they had to actually start changing some of the laws there. It's worth a good listen on Boa Rack Radio. It's the first episode. He ends up, they end up winning, kind of. He can own, I think it was up to 25 exotic animals with an extra 50 babies during a breeding season. So if they have babies, you can have so up to 75 animals. Uh, uh, he's going to need to get that up. Those numbers are rookie numbers. <laughs> you got to bump those numbers up. I'm so excited for... No, but uh, that's a good win, though. Yeah. 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 I Any new reptile podcast, like, I'm so excited for. Like, like please, yeah. if you're thinking about starting one, like, well, just do it. Is, I, I have kept boas for, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 years now. Um, and... I enjoy the morphs. I like albinos and hypos and jungles, but there's so many other morphs now out there that I don't know about just because I'm not really in those circles anymore. I feel like I might know more about carpet python morphs than I do boa morphs, and that's just because I listen to NPR every week. Uh, so I was super excited to see something about boas just so that I have some sort of place I can go get that information from. Mm -hmm. So everyone, if you like boas or just reptile information in general, uh, boa rack radio it's got, they've got four episodes out. I just subscribed. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't I'm wait stoked. to listen. Um, do you know who the hosts are? Like their names off the top of your head? I don't. You don't. Yeah. You've only. It's um. I don't want to lie. It's it's one host. It is Carlos oh, Rojas. Carlos Carlos Rojas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm so excited. So, so yeah, guys, go check it out. We need to support each other. Um, Dude, he's dang. He's already got uh, four episodes out, each one with uh, a guest on. Yeah, dude's doing it. <laughs> Andy and I have six episodes out with no guests on. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
we're terrible. We're no, terrible. they're Dude, awesome that, episodes. No, that guy is working so hard. I haven't heard from him in, in like two weeks. He he's uh he's part of the city water uh district. So oh he's man, on, like, oh Jesus Christ, twenty four seven on Call of Duty right now. Guy is like so booked. Well, that's Carly. I, Carly wasn't on last week's episode because she's working with old people trying to keep them from dying from the coronavirus. Oh, my God. Do, like, do, do not get me started. Like, these fucking family – like, I I don't – I'm just I'm just going to go – James, if you want, you can take this out, but I'm just going to go off for a little bit. Like, whether you think oh, – no, I'll leave that in then. Go ahead. Okay. Whether you think it's a hoax or – you know, it's – I'm not – Who's saying it's a just, hoax? Just, a well, just like. Okay, I, 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 live in, me, I live in I've Minnesota. Folks, <laughs> no, I've had folks tell me that it is uh, the government made this. Uh, That's horse crap. Or that it's nothing. Look, I, I'm all in the same camp of it's not as bad as as the flu, and I feel that we are acting kind of crazy about it. But at the same time, it is a virus, so we do have to watch out for it, and it is it, killing some people. And it it's is killing a lot of people. And like what I me and my other CNAs and nurses are doing, we have to do. Like, it is, like, state is telling us what to do. All nursing homes, all care facilities have to do this. And when we are, like, it's almost like, do you not fucking care about your, like, I am trying to protect your family members, your loved ones, like, your mom or dad, your grandma and grandpa. Like, and for you to say, like, will you, like, when we uh, first started, kind of, like, to, be like okay we can't tell family no you can't come see your loved ones but it's highly encouraged now like state is like oh no they do not get through the door like tell them to fuck off like we because we are taking care of one of the groups of people that are most at risk the geriatric the elderly Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and it's just it's honestly like i'm so sick of getting yelled at like i understand you want to see your mom you want to i got better for you so just give you an idea of how much people don't trust the government. When our <laughs> when our governor gets on to talk about the coronavirus, the one person he has to have on stage with him, who also has to talk at some point, is Coach O. Coach Ogeron, head coach of the LSU Tiger football. That is because the public would rather believe what Coach O says and people people are like why is coach o up there i'm like he's up there because y'all are stupid he has to go up there and tell you the same stuff the governor tells you oh my god So you'll believe it because you won't believe the governor who's Mm. telling you the same thing yeah it's man people are crazy people are crazy we no not stupid you use the wrong word people are stupid yeah i just like like I don't know. And I, like I said, I understand. They're just like, well, I, I see my mom every day. I want to come see my mom. And it's, and what we've been doing is like, we've, but it's like, dude, if your mom's bedridden, tough fucking titty, said the kitty, you can't come see your mom. Like, but what we've been doing is we've been, um, there's like a glass like doorway. We've br- brought like, kind of like prison like you know we brought the resident up in the glass they put their titty up on, no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> It, hang, it hangs all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, Riley, your faces are fucking killing me. But like, yeah, so I've just been a little like, it's it's been hard. And my heart goes, if you're in the care field, I like, you're a badass. And and Riley, you too, like, you have to go to work. Like, the animals need to be yeah. taken care of. Like, yeah. like y'all are fucking badass. So, yeah. Okay. So, 
That's all I have to say. We can move away from coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, Basically, people, wash your damn hands. That's that's the life lesson here. Yes. Uh, Wash your hands. Just don't don't go around sticking your fingers and stuff and then put them in your mouth because that's just that's a life lesson you can use everywhere. So (laughs) you're nasty. (laughs) Riley, stop touching your face. Don't touch your face, Riley. You'll get the coronavirus. Petting my lizard. Oh. Um, Your lizard has the coronavirus. Just don't eat them. It'll be fine. What's the next topic? All right. So uh, I do want to bring up, this was actually going to be brought up last week, but uh, we had Owen on and that went really, really well. So I didn't, I saved it for this week, but uh, it was a YouTube video, which ended up leading to a question I put on our Facebook page. But the YouTube video, because we talked about this guy, like, I don't know, once an episode. I think uh, you like have a serious hard on for this guy. He just has really good videos. And I try not to, but the problem is every time I'm like, oh man, that video is really good. I want to talk about it. Uh, he thinks I, he's I, cute. I, I guess this video is okay or not okay, depending on how you like it. But it was Wiccan's Wicked Reptiles, and the video was uncovering the biggest lies in the reptile hobby. Uh, and it, it was a spoof video. Yeah, I know. On, like a, on a, a snake doctor, and I'm using air quotes here. Um, <laughs> there were a couple times that made me laugh when he was talking about like the snitters, like for the the titties or something, the snitters. The, the, the- so it, it I, I've seen every now and then in the spring, usually you see this picture of a Western Diamondback stretched out dead with a bunch of little tiny baby Western Diamondbacks that have been cut out of the inside of it, uh, lined up next to it like they're sucking on nipples on a snake. Okay, first off, snakes don't have nipples, people. Uh, there is no milk being produced from a snake. The whole reason we're called mammals is because we have mammary glands, which produce milk. Uh, reptiles don't do that. And so this picture always gets spread around about how watch out for moms. They're nursing their babies and the babies are way more dangerous than the adults. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so stupid. Uh-huh. So his whole spoof video was on that. And it was funny. <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> it, was led me, funny. it led me to start thinking about crazy wise tales that I've heard about reptiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked that question on our Facebook page to see what some other wives tell. So I'm going to share a couple other wives tales uh, people posted on the Facebook page. And then we'll talk about some of the ones we've heard. Because I guarantee y'all have heard some of them at some point. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first one comes from Lance Kirkman, who... He's always listening and always posting. But Lance says that you can't keep reptiles and get pregnant, have a baby, keep a wife and have and have a healthy baby, which is true. Uh, when I got married, we got asked when when I was going to get rid of snakes, which that was never going to happen. Mm-mm. And then when my wife got pregnant, we got asked, uh, so are you going to get rid of snakes? That didn't happen. You're like, are you fucking high? <laughs> so there's this, there's this weird sense out there that people can't own reptiles and have a baby at the same time, which is insane. I mean, it's way more dangerous to have a cat and a baby or a dog and a baby. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's insane. Uh, this one my wife posted because when we used to work at the zoo, she worked the education department and I was a reptile keeper. Uh, she would do education programs. We had a big old Honduran milk snake. And multiple times uh, while she was pregnant oh, and while other people came one. there, other people wouldn't come in because they were pregnant. <laughs> and they would tell her it's because the milk snake would try to steal the breast milk out of the pregnant woman. Uh, people... I get that it's called a milk snake. It it doesn't drink milk. It it just doesn't. It, it doesn't go searching for milk. It doesn't want to suck on your titties. It's not. I mean, <laughs> some people may want to suck on your titties, but it's not for the milk. I love how just you said. Um, people, oh, Riley's cracking up down there. But but so, I love how you're just like. Um, 
guys. <laughs> and then, uh, and Ryan Goslow also posted about uh, milk snakes wanting to steal milk from cows' udders. Again, they don't steal titty milk. They're just not doing it. They don't drink milk. Uh, quit thinking about titties all the time. <laughs> and then Robert Powers, and this is one I have heard, which I think is fucking hilarious, that a coach whip can roll itself into a ball and roll down a hill faster. Basically, it will bite its tail, turn into a hoop, and then chase you down a hill like a hula hoop rolling behind you down a hill. Like, where the, where? That where one just sounds that? insane on so many different levels. I, think I don't know where, where to start on that one, but uh, it doesn't. It just it just doesn't. It, it doesn't. Oh, hi. And Riley's choking his lizard right now. On, <laughs> I know you can't see that, but he's he's got his lizard he's in his hands. It's rep. Oh, <laughs> he says Nixon. He doesn't have reptile in his hands. <laughs> um, But no, I think it's crazy. I think some of these rumors have just been a really long game of telephone. <laughs> um, you know, like the telephone game yes. where, where it's just like, oh, so you, yeah. So I think that might be where some of these rumors started, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like I've heard, I mean, just the one where the one I hear the most often is that snakes chase you like period yeah, all the time. All I can't, uh, I just, I really <sighs> have to refrain the eye roll and just be patient because they just don't know, you know, they're not, they're not trying to insult and me. And you always try to go, they, the snakes don't chase people and they go, well, chase to me. And I'm like, at that point, they've got a personal connection and you can't change their mind. But I was trying to explain to them, uh, think about it this way. You're a giant, all right? Mm. You're a giant. It serves them no evolutionary benefit to chase down a giant. Now, I'm not saying certain snakes won't chase Things like uh, cobras and some of your higher thinking snakes have been known to kind of. They will charge. They like. But but fat ass cottonmouths just aren't doing it. They're not. I mean, they're giant black slugs. They're not made to chase you down. Usually, something is air quote unquote chasing you. You're between it and the one place it knows to go to get safe, and wants to tuck out of the way. And I I have I have changed a couple people's mind, or at least soft like not fully changed your mind but at least planted the idea in their head you're scared you were scared and when you're scared your mind like remember when we were little kids and well when i was little i was really afraid of the dark and um you know your mind when you're scared your mind changes and it and it it can fabricate things that weren't actually there um yes. so when you're when your body is in that heightened state of like fight or flight and you're scared and like not saying you're trying to fucking fight or you know what I mean? Like, um, so you, you know, when you're scared, your mind changes and it can come up with things like, like that, um, like that coach with the bids tail and chase you down a hill. Like yeah. <laughs> you're just, that was someone who probably just didn't want to sound like a big baby back bitch because he got scared by a snake. He's like, it fucking chased me. I saw, I seen it. As a zookeeper, I got lots of fun ones. So I'm sure Riley, you too have some weird wives tales you've been told. <laughs> oh, Riley, you're on mute there, buddy. I've heard uh, all of that stuff and then some, for sure. I uh, My favorite was while feeding uh, alligator snapping turtles, uh, using big, long tongs, alligator snapping turtles, every now and then we'll bite the tong, hold on to the tong instead of the chicken or whatever we were feeding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and multiple times I'd hear, well, you know that thing won't let go till it hears thunder. What? what? I'm not waiting for <laughs> that long. I'm like, I was like, wait a minute and watch. It's going to yeah. let go. It's going to let yeah. go. That's You're great. gonna get learnt today. Oh, and, no. and, and oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
you hear all the same things like, oh, it's uh, it's only got two buttons on its rattle. It's two years old. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no, that animal's actually eight years old. She's just a big, fat, heavy snake and flops out of <laughs> and knocks them off. Yeah. And breaks her rattle every time we have to move her. She's a fatty. She's a fatty. <laughs> uh, my, one, of my, one of my favorites is that cotton mouths don't bite underwater. Just in case anybody oh. doesn't know, their scientific name is Piscivorus, which means fish eater. And I can assure you, they're not waiting till fish are found on land to eat them. <laughs> no. That's that's not how that's working. So, but I have heard that. I've heard that for alligators too. Alligators won't bite underwater. I'm like, no, their mouth works above and below. I have heard that too, and I and I've heard it in a mocking tone. So, <laughs> oh, that's the I, worst. Yeah. It, oh, and then uh, oh, this was great. So uh, we were driving. Uh, uh, there was a van in front of us. It passes in the road. I see a, a snake. And so I hit the brakes, jump out to go get the snake. And then all of a sudden, as I get to the snake, the van in front of me starts to hit reverse lights. And it's coming back at me. No. And I had to yell, stop. And so he stops. And I can see the snake has been hit. It was a king snake. It was a, no. a speckled king snake that had been hit. Um, and the guy gets out and he goes, well, I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I was going to run back over it. I said, you mother." Fucker. Said, I'll take care of it. So I took it to the side of the road to find something to be able to chop its head off. Uh, and I found a little piece of scrap metal on the side of the road. I was able to chop its head off. The guy goes, this is the same guy that was going to run over it to kill it, says, well, you know it won't die till the sun goes down. I was like, it doesn't have a head. I can assure <laughs> you it's dead right now. But yeah. Sir, it, it, sir. It would, it would not die until the sun went down. I'm like, where does that come from? Like, who? Who hears that logically in this day and age? You go, yeah, my uh, grandpappy told me that. It's got to be true. <laughs> my Uncle Smitchy told me once that uh, <laughs> snakes suckled on women's titties, and, and that that makes it fucking law. <laughs> That's law. My, my friend's cousin's sister's neighbor once said this, and so it's true. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so the wives tells you always here. Uh, if anybody's listening, if you've heard any that we have not mentioned, please let us know. Yeah. I love to hear crazy ass wives tales related to reptiles. I do too. Cause I've never heard the thunder one. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that one, that one as well as a, well as a zookeeper. Well, as a zookeeper in Louisiana, uh, I heard crazy wives tales and recipes on how to take care, how to eat the animals that I was taking care of. Uh, because I live in Louisiana and I'm telling you right now, this state will eat any fucking thing they can get a hold of. People are freaking out, blaming Chinese people for eating bats. I'm telling you right now, there's some coon ass eating a possum and an armadillo for dinner at night. It's happening. So, but yeah, I'd always get, oh man, that, that alligator snapping turtle said, shut up. I don't want to hear about you eating alligator snapping turtles. I will feed you to my snapping turtles. Go, go away. So. That, I mean, that, that, that was that fun. That covers everything I think we had on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But now I want to go to to Riley's long, interesting list of topics. Yeah, um, I've really been letting you take the reins on this one, buddy, because I've been like MIA like <laughs> the past week. So thank you for compensating for me once again. <laughs> well, Riley had uh, for YouTube. You had uh, Brian's Australian vlogs, and I had to remind myself which Brian, and then I realized it was Cusco because he was in Australia. Uh, I've been watching those. Uh, if, if people had, have lived under a rock, uh, Dave Kaufman, Brian Cusco went to Australia before it all got shut down and Riley couldn't go to Australia. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, I'm so sorry about yeah. that. They uh, they got back, I think, the beginning of this Tenley. month. 
Well, they got, no, they got back like the day of Tinley, like Friday. That's right. Yeah, they flew he into landed Chicago. and flew into Chicago, and it was canceled. That's right. Yeah, and I was uh, I was supposed to leave uh, Wednesday, a couple days ago. Riley, did you get your refund? Um. Well, according to the airlines, they said I had to be charged a $500 cancellation fee, which is illegal given the situation. Yeah. So I filed a complaint, and uh, I'm going to have their ass. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I got most of my refund back at least. Good. <laughs> what? Uh, that is just so slimy uh, and sneaky. I have so many vulgar words for <laughs> how I would describe those yeah. folks over at Qantas who spoke to me. At least the woman on that. Yeah, I'm just not going to go there. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, I'll get there one of these days. You know, I've got all the gear now. I spent like $600 on all this, you know, like camera equipment. And uh, uh, I, I didn't go overboard, but like I had to get like a uh, like outlet uh, converters and extra memory cards mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. So. Well, well, until then, you can at least watch Brian's videos <laughs> and enjoy and, and vicariously enjoy Australia through him. As yeah, we, as we all will. It's it's enjoyable and painful at the same time, but it's oh. nice to see. I and did, then, uh, yeah. I did watch one of the most recent ones where they found a king brown snake, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah um, that was pretty I'm waiting to see Dave put out his videos. He hadn't put out any yet from Australia, but uh, Brian has put out several. Of and all I can say is, uh, when you go buy a net to put around your head because Jesus Christ, the flies in his videos make me want to puke. So I I got this like two pack of these hats. They're like the uh, the bucket hat, a sort of like simple deal, and they have these drop down nets that like cinch at the the neck, and so yeah. you can cinch yourself off. And then they have a little zipper right in the mouth for a water bottle. <laughs> I love so, it. I got a two-pack of those, and it's hilarious. I probably would wear them, to be honest, oh, after seeing that video. That all, every video he's posted, it's just flies all over his face. Wear them wear to Walmart and be like, yeah, this is the new coronavirus <laughs> protection. <laughs> I probably wouldn't get as many weird looks as I think. I'm socially distancing myself. Yeah. This is this is the new uh, licensed coronavirus Hazmat shit. Yep. Let's get in on By it. By the way, the masks you're wearing aren't doing anything. <laughs> I, I'm telling you right now, the number one Halloween costume this year will be one of those inflatable like ballerina costumes and the inflatable like T-Rex costumes. It's going to be an inflatable hazmat suit. I guarantee it. Yeah. So, but make it sexy. So, well, there'll, there'll be one where the crotch is cut out. They'll have that. <laughs> That'll be mine. Or, or ass, assless chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, also on YouTube, you said trying to stay moving with your channel, even though you don't do vlogs, right? I I do now, apparently. I've really been you, enjoying. You those. did before. I'm just saying. They did were I? good. They, they, well, when you said they weren't vlogs, they were still vlogs. Uh, okay. But they were good. I enjoy it. Yeah, I guess I just have to deal with like accepting. I I put myself out on YouTube. I I always wanted to watch your uh. Carpets and coffee, mm. uh, but it was always when I was at work. So I see it pop up my phone, like Riley is live on YouTube. I'm like, oh, Riley's gonna stay live on YouTube because I'm working. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I, I had no idea what I was doing with that either. I enjoyed I like, it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like the uncut. I like the you know, you just you kind of you know you say what you have to say and it's kind of shooting at the hip. I like it. I'm into it. Cool. Mm-hmm. So keep doing it. I, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> my life easy. No, I mean I don't know like. <laughs> I could see myself, like, putting several clips together if I get some decent footage of, like, eggs being laid or babies hatching, things like that. Like, splicing clips together, like, that's no problem. But I'm just, like, a really simple, like, just transition the clip, 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 and pull it out, like, just Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I'm not trying to make a movie out of it. I'm just, like... The whole point for me starting a YouTube channel was just because I know that my primary focus is carpet pythons and if you go throughout youtube as far as reptile com- content that's a very underrepresented group yeah and, and i remember in you know the the first few years while i was trying to learn about them as much as possible that was the one source that i could not rely on as far as finding information and i just thought that was kind of a, a missed opportunity given how much focus there is on youtube now well it's funny I would think there'd be more on YouTube about carpet pythons. It's, I think, and it's a, it's because of Owen and Eric. Carpet pythons have become much more popular than they used to be. Um, you know, I, I do remember carpet pythons when I first got into it. Where they bite, they all bite. Uh, but I, th- I think because all the outlets now, well, a lot of the outlets for reptiles kind of all started around carpet python people you hear a lot more about them being pets and people having them and i mean you're out there eric and owen jake and justin and so i think it's cool it's cool to watch that change because they are i think an underappreciated group of snakes i think uh when everybody hears python the general public hears python they either think ball python or giant yellow python that they saw at a show somewhere yeah you can so for sure I think that's what like I just got that Brettles Python and I'm I can't wait till that thing gets you know, seven, eight foot and is awesome and big and red and cool looking. Yeah. Those are cool snakes. Mm-hmm. Handle them. Handle them. Yes. Make sure they, they learn to because I uh I don't admittedly handle my female enough and she thinks everything is food. And she grabbed me during one of those episodes of Carpets and Coffee. Um, and gave me a full feeding response bite on the knuckles and oh, just wrapped me and I ended up talking people through what it was like. <laughs> so t- you tell me, would you rather get bit by six foot carpet python or six foot rainbow boa? Carpet python. Yeah, okay. I, the, sure. first, the first time I saw my adult male rainbow yawn, I thought, holy shit, I'm glad he's not <laughs> See the for me the difference between the uh, the boa and the carpet is boas are much more muscular and dense per foot compared a six foot carpet python even one of these six and a half seven footers right here these girls probably only weigh like seven pounds tops that girl right there weighs maybe <laughs> eight or nine pounds still. And she hits like a ton of bricks. These girls don't. They just don't. The musculature is totally different. And bows are way denser per foot. And that would hurt. 
Well, and way early on, I thought, I, I knew arboreal boas, your, your emeralds and stuff, had these huge, massive recurved teeth, and that would suck to get bit by. But in my mind, ever since I had my rainbow boa, I always thought more like red tail boa. I always thought it was more like boa teeth and whatever. And the first time I saw him yawn, he was probably six foot long. Um, and I saw him yawn, and I thought, why the hell do they have teeth like that? That's not what I expected. These giant, massive, recurved teeth. Okay, I don't mean to get us too off topic, um, but like, as you guys have had experience with both pythons and boas, as a whole, like, not saying like, are ball pythons more intelligent than like, uh, uh, Amazon tree boas, like, as like, overall pythons and boas, which one would you say is more intelligent? I think it depends on the python or boa. I mean, I, I've never had scrubs, but I've heard scrubs tend to be, tend to think more. Um, what about I, your red tails? How do they vary on the second? Uh, uh, there's not much going. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're dumb, but they're not. I mean, I've never thought it's staring at me, trying to think of a way to get to get me. Mm. Um, I don't um, know. This is like a hard question. You know, it's. I just. I, 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 just, I, just, I, think, I think it just depends. There's certain <laughs> certain snakes have higher levels of intelligence. I don't know, uh, Riley. You have a that uh, you got a pop one pipe. No, what'd you get? Uh, yeah, I have a pop and python. Pop, so like that's that's kind of that thing's smarter than yeah, everything else yeah. in my house. Really? That, that, that falls into that line of scrub pythons and all those one of those the ones that think a little more. Yeah, I, he's he's very smart. He knows what's up. I can tell right away. <laughs> I need to get a boa. I you know I I love my colubrids and my colubrids is kind of like my collection like isn't like done yet. My collection. I have four snakes. Like, but my. It's never <laughs> done. No, but like I feel like I would be comfortable someday in the far future with maybe like a couple dozen. No, but like well, a dozen so or what, what? What are we defining as intelligence here? Yeah, yeah that's, like that's, I, I talked about that before. It's it's yeah. Compared to like what? I can think of I can think of plenty of pythons like retics and scrubs and olives and popwins. I guess more more react. Uh, and, but then, like, if you think about boas, like, are there any that really stand out to you as, like, on that level? Yeah, that's what and I'm... Does, and how do we judge that? Is that because they're, like, moving and tracking you? Or is it because, like, they're just sitting there patiently waiting? Yeah, I, think just more way, I think boas are way more laid back normally. Uh, sit and wait. Some of your pythons are more proactive. Uh, and and they're, pro- they're, I don't want to say problem solving, but, I mean... Like I said, I, and I've always heard with retics and scrubs, the experience with them is uh, they are they are at least showing they're more aware of what's going yeah, on in the room. Yeah. Whereas a boa just kind of sits there until yeah. you pick it up. Yeah. I mean, like my rainbows, I can tell they're watching me when I open their enclosures. They don't have to move, and they're yeah. aware of me, and I can see it in them. I can see how their breathing changes. I can see how their muscular changes. I can see if they're watching me and track their eyes because they do move their eyes a little bit, but otherwise, de- like, there's, yeah. Just and it depends on when you're working with them because, like, if I come in at, you know, the middle of the day, my rainbows aren't doing anything. But true. if I walk in at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night, they're moving around. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'll get lit up in the middle of the night during the day everything's sitting still yeah so i don't know if this this is just an observation i've had i don't know if this has anything to do with if the animal is like intelligent but so i sit in my reptile room like a lot as we all do as much as i possibly can like any free time as i can i just sitting in there and my corn snake he'll notice me in there and he'll like 
you know, watch me for a little bit. And then I'll, I'll sit down and he'll like kind of forget I'm there. And then he'll start to cruise again, you know, just like be bopping around doing his thing. And then when I move to like scratch my nose or something, he'll like, it's like he forgot I was there. Well, but coins are, uh, coins are uh, a higher, uh, a more anxious animal. They're far more anxious than say a boa. Oh, but say, okay, see, like, um, my bull snake Polly, she's getting a lot more comfortable with me. It, I, and I need to watch her more. I need, um, I've just noticed she's really coming out of her shell because I've had her for like a couple months now. Like I think maybe like six months, and um, so she's starting to cruise and be visible in the daytime. Um, she's not just hiding. And when I'm sitting watching her, she won't forget i'm there like she'll um you know she'll do her thing like i said like be bopping around but she'll like bef- i don't even move and then she'll no okay you're still there don't you fucking move that's, bitch like a, no <laughs> um and that's I, a colubrid thing colubrids are just they're more but they're both active. colubrids what's but what i'm saying both- they're, they're, but they're both more active it's the bull snake's still gonna move more than a boa. I'm telling you right now, my boa. I, I haven't looked at her in the last ten minutes, but I guarantee she's the same place she's been for the last forty minutes. No, I'm just. I'm just saying this is an observation, and it might be because Eddie's more comfortable. Eddie's my corn saying Eddie's more comfortable with me. Like, like I said, like he'll forget I'm there. Like, like even when he's crawling on me, and like it's kind of like he forgets that I'm not just a tree. Like I'll move, and he's like, "Oh fuck, you're alive!" Like, <laughs> but um, my They're very visually focused. Animals. Yeah. Yeah, and then like Polly, it's it's not that I don't know. It's almost, and I might be sound like completely stupid and be like, no, this is not what you're seeing. It's actually something else. Um, but like I'm sitting perfectly still, and then she, you know, she's cruising, and then she stops and looks at me again. I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, um, <laughs> but but it's like almost as if like she's like, I remember you're there. I know you're there. I'm yeah. checking to make sure you're not trying anything funny. I don't know. I don't know. Animals, they're so amazing. I could just, man, I just want to sit and watch them all day. My creepos watch me. Uh, my female in particular will sit there and stalk me all day if I'm in. The yeah, center. they're so. Oh, they're so amazing. Um, what do you got there, James? It's my Louisiana pot snake. You're talking about bull snakes. I was like, well, I'm gonna take out the one pit I have. I love pituophis. So it's my Louisiana pine snake. Beautiful. Look at those. Oh, look at those chocolates. The oh. <clears throat> Just want to dunk her in my coffee. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, you're you'll. I mean, it's like comparing. So you've got a ball python. Compare your ball python to your uh, bull snake. Your bull snake's way more active. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's, so yes, I think a lot of times we confuse activeness also for being more intelligent. It, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I would say you're completely accurate there. I just need to. Um, I just need to. Uh, I need to watch I, these guys more. I feel like intelligence is based on how they adapt to their lifestyle and, and then how they react to the surrounding environment and just how they handle life. Like, and then how much do they interact with it voluntarily? Yeah. Do right. Uh, so. <laughs> what are you doing? There we go. You better now. Sorry, my ponytail was getting so tight. I like. I was like, "Fuck, I'm getting a migraine." Okay, continue. So we also <laughs> I'm running my way down some of the stuff that Riley had of uh, the MAHS benefit auction for Forest Fanning. We talked about that last time. Um, is that still going? I can't remember. It, I haven't. No, it closed up. Just, it just closed. ended. Yeah. Um, but if you if you did bid and buy anything on there, 
thank you. Um, again, I, like I said, I didn't know Forrest, but it's definitely one of those names that you've heard and you hear lots of stories and I haven't heard a bad story about Forrest, even when he was alive. So that is all appreciated. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, shipping out a piece of artwork that's going to somebody who won it in that auction. So awesome. it's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. good deal. They're, uh, they're raising a lot of money to help, uh, help Desiree and Lars and, and, and Steven too. And help keep things going. Um, yeah. You know, they've got a very thriving business. I, you know, put in another big order just the other day. Um, you know, because it's the least I can do to keep, yeah. help, you know, keep sending money their way and keep them going. They Their business is doing really well. And uh, Steven is working, you know, more or less double time now. Dude's got a, a doubly full plate. And get through it but you know the community really stepped up for them in a big way so yeah and if if you couldn't get in on that auction or you didn't buy anything order if your next order for rodents go to cold-blooded cafe and and order some rodents from them that that could help out that's that's their rodent business you won't be disappointed on the quality i i don't order from anyone else yeah they're they're top shelf for Mm -hmm. sure and even if you don't you know even if you have one snake and like buying in bulk like that doesn't, you know, make sense. You can still donate to the Dragonwood Conservancy or you can donate to their GoFundMe. They've got a lot of stuff going on. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with folks to find mm-hmm. out how to donate if you're interested. So, yeah. And then just doing a little rundown of some of the other podcasts. Uh, I guess we have to mention you're on here, the Reptile Room podcast. We've kind of mentioned a little bit here and there. Y'all have done, you said six episodes, right? Yeah. And you, you hinted at, or you know, you mentioned who your first guest, or you've mentioned multiple times who your first guest is going to be. Yeah, and it's going to happen. It's just a matter of timing because his career, uh, he is involved in law enforcement down in Long Beach. So Dan Maleri, um, he's, you know, finishing up his last year before he retires and moves with his wife to Thailand and lives the good life. Yeah. Um, but uh, for now, given the situation, um, you know, who knows? So mm-hmm. I've been in touch with him and it's just a matter of lining up. And now actually, uh, Andy, uh, because he works for the city's water district, uh, where he's at Salinas, he's got a lot of extra work going on and he's on pretty much 24 seven standby on call. Um, plus he's got, you know, a wife and three kids and everything going on. So he's got a lot going on and, and I think, you know, we should be able to power through this, but, um, yeah, it's just a matter of lining up some three schedules. <laughs> Good things come to those who wait. It'll. Yeah, we'll get it, and then yeah. then once we go, it'll be off to the races because, um, like we could bring you know friends and other folks on, on who are local to make it happen, but um, for now we're enjoying it just being us, uh, talking about certain things and kind of laying the groundwork, and then bringing guests on. We just want to do it right, bring Dan on and make sure. Well. And I would recommend to anybody out there, if you haven't, go to YouTube, look up uh, DM Exotics, and watch yeah. some of his videos where he goes he, he goes to Thailand. He shows you these farms that he's bringing the animals back from, he's importing from. And it's kind of cool to see that whole process because a lot of us, when we hear importing, we picture a very shady process of very sick animals. And that's yeah. not what you're getting with, with Dan Maleri. I mean, if you watch those videos... It, although when you watch it, those farms aren't the way we keep animals and clean racks in our house. It's, that's not how it's done there. Yeah. But it's still it, done very well. 
and he doesn't even show you inside of their their buildings really half the time. He just kind of shows you some of the outdoor enclosures and brings animals outside to show them off because he respects their privacy because there is such a cultural difference in, yeah. in how we keep things. And honestly, um, I have quite a few animals from Dan, uh, and they're all fabulous. They're all fantastic, like perfect health. Uh, I got a pair of poplin carpets from him four years ago. And they've produced a clutch for me. Uh, I've got, I've since acquired a few more, the Poplin Python and Amazon Treewood. Like everything I've gotten from him is uh, in pristine condition and health. And he just really knows how to uh, go for the the folks over there that do right by their animals and are respectful and, and handle themselves accordingly. And he's managed to foster some good relationships over the years with the right people. And the quality of the animal speaks for itself. I wish I had the patience to get into Viper Boas. I love Viper Boas and watching the video where he's going through the piles of Viper Boas over there and how drastically different they look from each other. I'm like, ah, I wish I could do that. I just can't deal with, I don't want to deal with a tricky feeder like those guys. So I'm going to wait till somebody figures it out and they're working great. And then I'm going to get into Viper Boas. They'll probably cost me like $700 by the time I want to get into them. But they are so cool looking. And I said, watching him go through all these ones over there, you see the just the difference in how they look just one one to the next. Yeah, absolutely. I really Uh, wanted to get some of his uh, monkey tail skinks that he had uh, a couple years back, and I just didn't have the money to pull it off. Do you think they'll go down in price again, or do you think they'll kind of maintain that? Which ones? Monkey tail skinks. (laughs) There's not a lot of folks breeding monkey tails. I think they'll drop a little bit, but I think it'll still take some time. To be completely honest, I wouldn't pay more than a than like nine hundred to a thousand for a captive born and bred baby, um, and probably even less depending on the quality, because there are some fugly monkey tails out there. Let me They're tell awesome. you. I've I've produced plenty of them in in the zoo that I used to work at, and I've seen several different phenotypes, and I've seen beautiful babies, I've seen eh, average babies, and I've seen fugly babies. I've seen fugly parents produce nothing but fugly babies, and I've seen good-looking parents produce a uh, whole array of everything. So there is such a thing as quality. Look, no matter no matter how pretty they are, they still come out fucking evil. They come out wanting to bite. They just, yeah. I had one take the tip of my thumb off at like two Mm. months old. Oh. Yeah. The zoo I interned at in college, we walked in one morning, didn't know it, and we're counting the monkey tails, and all of a sudden, there's one more monkey tail than we had the previous day. I was like, oh, cool. So we pick it up, and here goes trying to bite. And I'm like, they come out evil. Like, I expected the parents to be mean, but Jesus. Are they live bears? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And And they come out big. I mean, they are a big baby. So is it like, one or two at a time or it's typically one but twins is not uncommon and i have crazy i've experienced twins and they come out a little bit smaller than uh the singular baby so and one tends to like thrive really well right away and the other one you gotta sort of like nurse along at first to keep it up and if you don't get it going at the early stages it gets picked on or like it just doesn't get going it won't make it I was impressed at how big that baby is. I mean, they come out walking around. I mean, they are, they're a little version of the adults. So I say little, I mean, you can say they're still a pretty big baby. 
Yeah, they come right. out actually mature. They are huge. You're thinking, oh my god, how did this mom walk around with this thing inside of her? Yeah. Monsters. Um, yeah, and so, it. so looking at the other podcast, I was reptile, uh, reptile room podcast, which again, it, you guys are doing a great job. I enjoy it. Uh, oh, and then NPR, everyone knows NPR. They're still, I mean, every week we had Owen on last week. Uh, they're great. Uh, the Herpt Culture Podcast, they did have their two-year anniversary just recently. Heck yeah. Uh, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like it's been around for two years, but time flies. Uh, that one's going strong. And then you had, and I haven't listened to this one, Canadian Herpt Culture Podcast with Brandon Millichamp oh, and Kiana Fox. Yeah. Another podcast yeah. for me to listen to. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to make sure uh, I gave them a little shout because Brandon's a good dude. I don't know Kiana personally yet. And, uh, so far, I really like everything that I've heard from them. I've been listening to them just kind of on repeat and just going through it, and I really enjoy it. And, awesome. Uh, yeah. Our, oh, they're uh, four deep, too. Yay! Yeah. Our neighbors from the north are are uh, joining the train. It's awesome. Hell I'll yes. To, I'll listen to some Canucks. I'm oh, yeah. so, this is so awesome. All this reptile we, we content. You can, <laughs> huh? We let them play in our hockey leagues. We might as well listen to yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> that's just we, so we, cool. We gave them a baseball team. We made them feel important. <laughs> oh, that's true. We did. We technically gave them two, and then we said, uh, you're doing it wrong, and we took it back. <laughs> so they only have one now. But um, Cool, man. And then you also put in here things that are happening at Expos. You said the Reptile Super Show in Pomona expanded to a 30,000-plus uh, building for January this past show. To accommodate yeah. larger space for more vendors, that's awesome. Yeah, I, so if everybody is into like traveling for shows and you've always wanted to travel to a West Coast show, wait for the Reptile Super Show because it's that big now. It's the West Coast Tinley for sure. Damn. Uh, um, and we went to Tinley. I went to Tinley for the first time ever this past year. Um, I do want to make it out to a Super Show at some point. I am, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited Tinley got canceled because the new summer date for Tinley means I'll most likely get to go to the summer Tinley as a teacher. Nice. I'm off during the summer. So Yeah, I, I had to give a plug for the Super Show because Rami does it real good down there. Um, living in Santa Barbara, but I went to every show for like six years, and I still try and make the journey down there every time. So it's is, always a good time. Is that the one that used to, isn't that one that used to be like in a hangar? You know, aircraft hangar? I, I think they did have it in there at one point, and then they moved it to the Pomona Fairplex, and then because January has gotten so big, they moved it to Anaheim to a 30,000-square-foot building because they had just exceeded the limit um, to the point where the fire marshals like were asking them for bigger aisles, and they just couldn't make it happen. So they had to get a bigger building, and so in this bigger building, you had tons of aisle space, but it was still, you know, like 75% full. Um, mm. and it, it was a monstrous building. It's only getting bigger. And it's been around for a while, right? Because I want to say I remember it being back in the old Reptiles magazines when I used to get Reptiles yeah. magazine. It's going on like 20 years now, I think. Yeah. So it's up there. It's been around for dude, longer than I've been around into, into going to shows. So that's for sure. So I could be wrong on the dates. But yeah, they're top shelf. It's a good show for sure. And then you said there's a Sacramento show. Yep. So that's another one that's out here. It's in my backyard now. Um, and that one, they also upgraded to a bigger building because they used to be in the convention center downtown, which sucked because it's right around the Capitol building. So parking is impossible and expensive. 
and loadout for vendors is quite uh, difficult. But Phoenix Herb Society always makes a journey out, and it always gets a huge turnout. So it's always been a really big show. And then this past year, they moved it into a bigger building at Cal Expo, which is another big area out here uh, with tons of space. And it's like, it's definitely growing into another big West Coast, California show. And it's going to get on the map very soon. Um, it's a little pricey just because it's in the capital, I think. And they're still trying to build capital yeah. for the show. But like, yeah, I mean, for vendors, it's a little up there and, and parking is, is usually pretty standard. But um, at least there's food and drinks and stuff everywhere. It's pretty cool. But that's definitely another one to look out for. Like if everyone is starting to get on that, like, Oh, I'll just schedule my work trips around these shows and take a flight out to California. There's yeah. of these big shows throughout the year. So, yeah, I've got to make it out to one of those shows. I hear it's, it's a different kind of like, there's just different animals. Like it's, it's, it's different than over here. Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. I still need to get out to Tinley one of these years. That's been my uh, my white whale of shows that I have not been able to get. I um I need to get back to Daytona. I haven't been to Daytona since '09, but I hear it's starting to starting to grow again. It went down. It's starting to grow again. Yeah, and then uh, all the shows around, obviously shows everywhere right now have been canceled for about a month out. Um, That's true. I'm, I'm hoping my next show, which is uh, the Herps show in Lake Charles, which is in April, I'm hoping that by then we can have it. Um, cause I do love, I know you don't have them out there, but if you ever make it out this way, Texas, Louisiana, that area, the Herps shows are awesome reptile shows. Yeah. I hear nothing but good things about it. April couldn't say enough about the, the New Orleans one the other day. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I need it's, to get out more. It's a lot of fun. Um, like, and like I say, every show, every podcast, anybody listening, go to a reptile show and just talk to folks, just go and talk, like become part of the community. It deserves uh, repeating. Yeah, I mean, we're we're at a part now, and uh, where if you're in this hobby, it's not that hard to find somebody else like minded. Whereas before, uh, when it was just the forums, it may have been a little harder to really connect with somebody. But it's pretty easy now. Just go find people. Because I know being social is kind of uh, not what reptile people tend to be. Uh, a lot of antisocial reptile people, but when you get them together, they tend to become social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then. Your wild card topic, which I really liked your wild card topic uh, about keeping unique species. So if you want to explain that whole idea of keeping unique species in your collection. Yeah. So um, some folks have, have sort of like brought this up about into the public forums before me. And it's just something that I've taken uh, to heart and I really agree with. And I'm sure anybody is, you know, who hears this will have heard it once before. But like if we keep a lot of very common species in order to keep ourselves well-rounded and grounded or try and do something to give back to the, the overall hobby. It seems like there's a really cool opportunity in just keeping something unique. So um, for example, if you breed ball pythons for a living, um, you could have a pair of Angolan pythons. I was saying Angolans. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm- I'm so surprised more people don't do Angolans because yeah. I'm not a ball python fan, but Angolans are cool. Yeah, and I think I think stepping outside of one's comfort zone is important in what we do. 
I think keeping diversity for me personally is always helpful because it keeps me thinking differently about everything and paying attention to different things. But um, if nobody buys children's pythons, for example, breeders will stop producing them. You'll stop seeing them on the market. And if that never turns around, they'll disappear. And then you won't be able to get them. And that's what, that's why we see, you know, ebbs and flows, uh, peaks and, and, and valleys in terms of trends as far as like when things come into popularity and when they dip out. Um, everything's already been around once before. Like carpet pythons had a, like a resurgence a while back and then they dipped out and now they're coming back again. Um, you know, things just come in waves and it's kind of interesting. Like we all get sort of narrow sighted on our focus, but I think it's really sort of beneficial to the hobby. If everybody has one or more, if you're up for it, species that are a little bit different and unique and just kind of a wild type natural species like a Puerto Rican boa or a Cuban boa or a Ford's boa or some of the Madagascar hognose or some of those unique milk snakes that you don't see anymore or just anything like that, just to keep it around as sort of like our civic duty to the, the overall hobby to yeah. keep things that are worth keeping um, at least for the sake of the species, if not, you know, for the benefit long-term, depending on who the hell knows well, what happens in this world. But and I think it's also important that sometimes you don't know what species you like until you get it. And there's sure. a lot of those obscure species out there that you may not know exist that are really cool to keep. Like uh, I'd like to get some Madagascan hognose because when I worked at the zoo, I had four of them and they were four of the coolest things I ever worked with. Um, they're the fastest eating snake I've ever dealt with, uh, but they are awesome. And so I'd love the, to get those at some point. The speaking of uh, mad hogs, the baby that I hatched is literally nobody can hear this, can see this, but she's buried herself under her little paper liner and she's wedged her stupid little pig nose up <laughs> right there, and she's staring at me right now. <laughs> She's like, why are the lights on? What are you doing in my place? She's like, young um, man, it is past your bedtime. Yeah, the adults are up there too. But yeah, no, I think keeping something out of your wheelhouse um, and maybe going with something that is uncommon just for the sake of keeping something alive. And you can try things. And, you know, you've, you've both talked about it on previous uh, episodes about like, there's no shame in trying something and finding out it's not for you and then moving on from it. So, you know, get that out of your mind right away. Try something, look into the parameters of keeping for some of these things or talk to people, see if you can dig up some information and just have a little fun product. Even if you don't breed them, even if you just keep them for a few years, just keep some of these animals alive because you know, with the way things are going, we might not be able to get anything in anymore and things are just going to, you know, fall to the wayside potentially forever. So, and I think, I, I think with, it's important. with that advice, it's also important to tell folks, maybe don't get 20 different species and get in over your head. I know some people do that. Yeah. They, yeah, they go to a show and they see something on a table that they've never taken care of before. And they're like, it's pretty and I want it. And they do that every show. And then they have you know, one house snake and they have one sure. sunbeam snake and I like take your time. Strategic. Yeah. 
Yeah, like if you if you're listening to this and you want to get into rainbow boas, you know what you could do is you could wait and see if you can find yourself a pair of captive born and bred Argentinian uh, or Argentine rainbow boas and get some of those. The uh, I don't even know how to pronounce them, a CCI or whatever the heck they are. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I could be completely off, but there there's a couple different species of rainbow bows that are not the Colombians or the Brazilians, and they're pretty sweet and they're pretty unique and uncommon. Like, like that's the, a species worth keeping. So the there's the Guyanans, which are very similar to the Brazilians. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really cool species that you don't see very often like all of those island species of boas all of those need to be kept alive like that stuff is important so if you're if you're sitting here going well i've got a hundred of this and i'm getting kind of bored with it spice up your life go grab something (laughs) else and uh throw some zest on it and and keep it going but know that it is actually good for the hobby to keep you know, something yeah. obscure like that. It's like I picked it up, and I know it's not overly obscure, but I picked up this Brettles python, and I don't really have plans on breeding her. I just thought, this doesn't seem like a cool snake, and I've heard so many people talk about how great they are. It's like, I'm going to get it. Or a lot of my collection is Kenyan sand boas, but then at Tinley, I bought those Indian sand boas, and I oh, love yeah. those things. I think they're, they're amazing. Cool. Um, I have rough scale sand boas, which I think are awesome. I really yeah. want uh, rubber boas, which... It amazes oh, me. Yeah. In, in the U.S., we don't do rubber boas as that much, and it's very hard to find. And so that's one that I would love to find and get me a pair of rubber boas. Uh, yeah, but, those are hard to get. Um, I'm hoping this year to be able to get uh, Russian black sand boas, which are awesome. Oh. Yeah, they're those. basically cool picture though. picture a solid black Kenyan sand boa. But oh, that's sweet. that brewmate's down into the 50s. Ooh, that's cool. That's like a bread lie. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm all for that. Go when you go to a show. Go around. If you see something, ask the person that has it on the table about it. You don't. I mean, you don't have to buy it just because you ask them about it. Doesn't mean you have to buy it. But ask them about it. Find out about it. Go home, research it, and keep that in mind. Maybe it's something you want to try next time. You never know. Like I said, those, those Madagascan giant hog noses are cool snakes. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I mean, um, I found those through through my first zoo gig down in Santa Barbara because we had one there. She's still there. Um, she was like a wild caught sort of like confiscated animal uh, in, yeah. uh, in the area somewhere and lived at the zoo forever. And she was a sweetheart. Um, and so that was my exposure to them. And so you never know until you like go talking to people or go to these shows or even just like poke around online on some of these classified pages and see what people are selling and then take the names of those animals and go look them up, do some research, see what else is out there. Cause you can go down a rabbit hole and learn oh, a yeah. ton, find out about all these cool things. And actually you might stumble upon something that is readily available in the hobbyist or even near you in your neighborhood. And you could find somebody who can teach you on, on all that stuff, but don't just go buy something randomly. Cause you got a hundred bucks and you're like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for that. Oh, I don't even know what it is, but I'll give you a hundred bucks. Like, yeah, just because you have an empty tank doesn't mean you can go buy whatever just to fill that empty tank. I hate. So I was like, I have a tank empty. I'm gonna go buy something to put in it. Well, can it live in that tank forever? I don't know. And then they just get it. Or oh, look at these baby sulcatas. I can get them for twenty five bucks. Pump, pump the brakes. I got I got four of them in, in my backyard and one in a cage in here that says. Maybe you shouldn't get sulcatas as a pet. 
Yeah, so there's there's a right way and a wrong way, or maybe multiple right and wrong ways on on how to do that. But yeah, I think I think think of it as like your civic duty to the reptile community to keep something obscure alive. Yeah, and then uh, your keeper tip, uh, and I've heard you say this multiple times on your podcast and other things. Uh, yeah. But if you want to go ahead and say what you. That way you can go ahead and say it and everybody can hear you say it here also. Yeah. So I am not by any means the first person to, to use this term, but ultimately when people ask me questions, it comes down to just being a student of the serpent. And what that means is watching your animals, paying attention to them in different situations, time of day, time of night, feeding, when they're in shed, when they're not in shed, are they adults, are they breeding, are they coming into adulthood? the showing signs of that um just pay attention to what they're doing um one of the the best things that you can do is you can take notes keep a note card with every animal because i've got them around here and at the very least take track of their feeding schedule their shedding schedule um if they're breeding you can take notes of when you're introducing them when they're locking up and you can kind of see patterns over time and really get to understand those animals because I can tell you exactly when my uh, biggest adult female rainbow boa cycles, uh, anytime I breed her like clockwork, because I know that animal from watching her over like four seasons. So you can really get to understand what's going on and then respond. And you, your sort of like learned habits of response to certain situations, how they evolve, like too dry of an environment or too much moisture or not keeping the water clean enough, or you need a bigger water bowl, or maybe a smaller water bowl, or this animal is rubbing its face, and you need to do more fur enrichment, or you need to get it out for exercise once in a while, or it needs a bigger enclosure. Like Just paying attention to all these things gives you this entire backlog in your head of what your animals are doing and how they're interpreting their, their world and how you need to respond if something's out of whack. And what that'll do is it'll just help you be a better keeper and give you the confidence to keep your animals without issue and resolve and trust you know how to handle any situations that come your way. And that's how you, like, you got to learn somewhere. There's nothing wrong with asking questions and learning from people before you. But ultimately, like, if you're, if you're messaging me for questions, I'll give you the best feedback possible. But because I'm not sitting there looking at ear snakes, and figuring out how your room works or whatever part of your house it's in or what you're doing on a cyclical routine sort of basis, I can't give you the answer. Like you can give yourself the best answer, but you have to look at all of these factors and really be a student of your animal and learn to understand them. And that's how you'll have the most success in your breeding or troubleshooting seasonal challenges or anything like that. And that's like the best advice I can give anyone. Yeah. It's, and it's simple stuff. I mean, if your snake stays on the cool side of its cage or tub all the time, uh, the hot spot may be too hot. That's a simple thing. I mean, measure the temperature. That's something you should be able to notice. You should be able to know, does your snake move to both sides of its cage? If so, you're probably doing pretty good. Is it staying on one side? There's probably an issue. Uh, did something that normally eats all the time not eat this week? Keep that in your mind. Next week when you feed again, did it skip again? That may mean something. And yeah. So it's it's simple stuff that uh, just like like I said, just just watch it. Don't don't put your snake in a box and then walk away and only show up once a week to feed it, and that's the only time you ever see it. 
if, if, if that's all you wanted a snake for, uh, then I suggest fish or a pet rock or something that doesn't involve as much time. But yeah. I agree. Just, just, just look at your animals. See what they're doing. See what yeah, they're laying. I mean, there's nothing wrong, like I said, with asking for help, but um, it's really hard to give give the right answers when we're not there. Ultimately, yeah. you know your animals best, and so you can be your own best friend uh, by just taking diligent notes and just paying attention, even if that means just writing things down, like or just making mental notes. This animal is very food aggressive at night or likes to sleep during the day, or this animal likes to soak in the water naturally. That's not mites. It's just this animal likes high humidity. Maybe I'll make an adjustment to the bedding later on, or maybe this is just their normal behavior, or, you know, whatever it ends up being, you're going to have to roll with it and figure it out as you go. But there's, you know, there's always uh, something to learn from your animal's behavior. Well, and sometimes I'll see people ask a question about why their snake or their reptile or whatever is doing something. And it's not followed up with an answer. It's followed up with questions. Don't get offended when someone follows it up with questions. They're trying to figure out what the issue is. Like, and I've mentioned it before. The one I see all the time is because I'm all around, always on Sambo groups is my Sambo is not eating. The very first question we're going to ask you is, is it a male? If the answer is yes, it's a male. It's horny. That's why it's not eating usually. (laughs) Either you've got a female to put it with or give it time and then it'll start eating again. But, you know, I think so many people are are wanting a quick answer to every question that they get offended when someone starts asking questions. It's like, well, I'm keeping my snake the right way. I'm like, oh, we just got, we're not there. We just got to go through the checklist to make sure. Yeah. So if anybody who's listening to this is like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If there's one thing you take away from this, just take away the phrase, be a student of the serpent. Just remember that. And every time you do anything with your animal, just Remember that phrase and figure out what that means to you, and you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Carly, we butchered it last week. We tried our best. Uh, you we did, did it we, we basically talked about every animal in Australia for our animal of the week. Uh, <laughs> so this week, Carly is back, and we're going to get an official animal of the week. So, Carly, what is your animal oh, of the week? This one is... Oh my god, a big stretch. <laughs> it's a big stretch. Um, this one is my favorite species of shark, and it's a thresher shark, because they're the most badass, amazing, incredible shark species I, out there, and they are so awesome that I had to get a tattoo of one, and it was my very first tattoo. I have a thresher shark oh, on my side. So wait, uh, are we talking about Carly tattoo ideas? Uh, no, we are not. No, we are oh. not. So we're not so, there yet. Okay. No, we're not. <laughs> Only um, at some point. At some point, folks, you get to hear Carly's amazing tattoo idea. I was so okay. Um, no, you were sober. Don't don't. My they're my favorite shark species. There's actually three <laughs> species of thresher sharks. The I I knew that there was more than one. I and there's maybe a fourth one. Um, it's highly suspected, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. It's kind of, from the different sources that I found. It sounds like it's only kind of a matter of time. But uh, the three that we have now are the pelagic uh the big eye and the common thresher um they're all classified fucking hell these you're they're all classified as vulnerable um these sharks prefer the open ocean uh god my chicken scratch is awful these sharks prefer the open ocean um they get their name the caudal fin um that elongated the the back fin um 
the caudal fin is uh, the top one. Um, On the is, tail. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Where they got their common name because um, I guess it resembles a thresher and that's another word for like a scythe. I'd never, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they got their name. Yeah, like, if you haven't seen one, that they're the weird shark with the ginormous tail yes. fin. They're uh, so I mean, it's cool. huge. Really, they're really big, long. Yeah, it's long. One, right? Yeah, you see people catch them. Though that tail fin is thrashing all over. It's massive. It's incredible, um, and they're so strong. Um, that that tail fin can that caudal fin can be as long as their body. Um, let's see. Their caudal fin can be as long as their body. Um, they're very active predators, and they use their tail. At, they use that tail as a weapon to stun their prey. Um, so I think I was told this. And it's like another one of those myths that um, that just like happen with animals. I was I was told this a long time ago um, that uh, like have you guys seen video footage of thresher sharks like using oh, yeah, their tail to whip and stun their prey? It's so cool. Oh, yeah. it's so yeah, cool. I see, I'm in several uh, fishing groups, especially where I am in Louisiana. I'm in some of the Texas ones. They catch them off the shore, off the uh, in Texas all the time in the Gulf. They're There's so giant amazing. Threshers. Yeah, and they use that tail to whip and stun their prey. Um, but I, I haven't seen any sources that can confirm this, so I think someone was just fucking with me. But um, I heard a long time ago that some of the older, more mature, excuse me, adult thresher sharks, um, they can actually um, use that tail to whip the prey, like, into their mouth. But I'm just like... I believe it. Do you I mean, like, like because like if they go through a school of fish? I can see where that could happen. Yeah, like it. alligators can do that. I've heard. I heard uh, when I was told this. It's you know as they you know just like with uh, animals learning and hunting, like orcas, like you know they can refine their hunting skills and stuff. So it's the older ones that um, are able to accomplish this because they've had so much practice um, and successes and failures to learn. Um, let's see. Uh, the biggest of them is the common thresher and the one on record uh is 6.1 meters or about 20 feet big um threshers are typically solitary but i would imagine imagine at 20 feet six or seven foot of that is that tail yeah yeah um they're typically solitary but some do occasionally hunt in groups of two to three um there is no distinct breeding season that we know of um but there has uh that has been observed um, they're live bears resulting in two to four large, well-developed pups. Uh, the pups exhaust their yolk sac inside the mama, and then they feed on the um, unfertilized eggs. Um, so that's, I mean, we've known that about, like, tiger sharks and stuff, but it's, I don't know, it's super cool. Yeah, because sometimes uh, they'll eat the other babies. Yeah, they'll eat the other ba- babies, but only, like, a few are fertilized and actually develop, and they, they don't eat each other from what I've read. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure it could happen, but um, thresher, thresher sharks, thresher, <laughs> thresher sharks are slow to mature. Okay, this one, I read, I had so much fun researching this animal because it's one of my very favorites, um, and I kept finding like so many different sources on this. So, if someone please message me and correct me if this is wrong. Um, there's, they're slow to mature. Um, I've gotten, I read so many different numbers on like what ages they mature. A couple sources said males develop between like four to eight years of age um, and uh, like, and females like six to nine years of age. Or I saw one where it was like seven to 13 years old and females eight to 14 years old. 
I don't know. And again, with their age, like I saw a couple sources that say they can live to 50 years or more. And then I saw one where it's like, yeah, they live about 20 years. And I'm like, I don't like, we just need more research on these amazing animals. Um, in October of 2013, the very first um, picture of a thresher shark giving birth was taken off the coast of the Philippines. So that was really cool. I saw that picture shitting out a little <laughs> baby thresher shark. Um, their prey is typically bluefish, squid, mackerel, cuttlefish, um, stuff like that. But they will sometimes consume crustaceans and seabirds. Yeah, the cuttlefish would be another cool animal to do at some point. Yes, I agree. Um, sea life is just it's it's so incredible it's fascinating that's all i got i like the retro shark to me they're a cool shark i think people catch them all the time down here in the gulf uh the common one uh pelagic do you know what pelagic means i do not no i don't so pelagic would be open water so like like pelagic uh fish species they're talking about open water like in the middle of the ocean like um not near shore gotcha Uh, so you'll hear pelagic fish sometimes referred to like big tuna and stuff. Cool. So like learning. Vo- vocabulary term for the day. Pelagic. <laughs> Use it in sentence. Okay. So there we go. That was our animal fact of the week. The thresher shark, which is, like, like I said, it's a cool shark. If you haven't, people go look away. Well, I'll get Carly to post a picture. They're the best the, species the of shark page. ever. They're so cool. They're definitely one of the most easily, 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 ooh, I'm having trouble with a word this week, easily recognize sharks just because of that tail. I mean, it's, it's a massive, ridiculously long tail. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, All right. We made it through episode eight. Mm -hmm. I feel good about it. I do too. This is a really awesome episode. Thank you so much, Riley. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, fun. Yeah. I, wish, I wish you were busy in, in Australia. Uh, uh, me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But we benefit uh. from you being here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, things could be worse for sure. Yeah. Yes. We have each other. <laughs> so, I, you know what I haven't heard of in a while? The, the fires. I'm assuming all the fires are out in Australia. Do you know since you were planning on going? And, uh, I think a lot of it's died down because they've entered their, like, monsoon rainy season. So, a lot of it's, you know pretty much settled um i'm sure there's still a little bit going but i think for the most part now they're focusing on like mudslides and rebuilding a lot of the areas and so which part of australia were y'all planning on doing we were headed to perth so we would have been going to wa and kind of like in the southwest corner um just like way down there and we had a whole itinerary of like different places we were going to stay. We had like this whole map drawn out where along this route, we'd hurt all these different areas that have been known for all these various species and stay at, you know, just different Airbnbs along the way and uh, just go balls to the wall all day, all night. Well, probably mostly at night. So it's too hot during the day? Yeah. I mean, depending on how it is during the day, like, I don't know. Um, I'm not familiar with like what it's like during the monsoon season, but I would imagine, yeah, nighttime's probably better. But there was a bunch of target species we were going to be hitting in all these different areas. So, well, I'm sure at some point you'll get there. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, I uh, I was commenting or, or I made a post about how ridiculous I was going to be on on hold for, and uh, Zach Baez commented about how his uh, Cloud Forest South America trip had now been canceled 
for the second time as a result of this. Oh, and it man. was like, a, he laid it out and it was going to be like an epic, like very, very significant trip as far as uh, an exploration standpoint goes. And he said it best. He's like, well, you know, nothing, uh, nothing worth doing doesn't have its own challenges, you know? And it's basically the same thing as saying like nothing in life worth doing is easy. So yeah. If it's hard, it means you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So, well, I look forward to you finally going and hearing those stories. Yeah, yeah. that'll be awesome. I'd love to go there at some point, and, and I'd love to go. I talked with. Uh, oh, I'd love to go anywhere and see something I keep put in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone should do it. If you keep reptiles, you should go see them in the wild. Yes, and and we we talked about it last week. The weird thing is. We live in the United States. I I could drive just a day's drive west and go find really cool shit in the middle of the desert. Like, I should go do that. I haven't done it, but I should. Um, So I think I I've been talking to one of our listeners. They've they've offered a place for me to go. So I may be going out there at some point. Awesome! That's awesome, dude. I would love to find do some quarantine herping. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. So where where all can they find you at? Um, my personal stuff is just Riley's Reptiles on Instagram and Facebook, and then uh, YouTube just under Riley Jimison. And then uh, for the Reptile Room podcast, you can look us up on all your major podcast platforms under Reptile Room Podcast. Uh, you can email us at reptileroompodcast at gmail dot com. And our website, I believe, is uh, reptilepodcast.com, I think. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll find fancy. it. Y'all are fancy with a website and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we figured we'd just get it out of the way sooner rather than later. Andy had a few days uh, where he was going hard at the computer stuff. And I was like, yes, tell me what I need to send you for all these subscriptions right now. And I will send you money. And we just did it. And we just paid for it right off the bat couple of your subscriptions we're just you know nice. done and set ourselves up for the long run so cool we're try. awesome all right all right so you can find us at uh the reptile gumbo podcast on instagram the reptile gumbo podcast on facebook uh the reptile gumbo podcast at gmail.com uh please feel free to email us or message us any suggestions, anything you've seen on Facebook, YouTube, other podcasts, anything you want us to talk about, um, check our Facebook page. There will be a post for you to also link anything there that you'd like for us to talk about. Uh, we will come up with some polls and stuff for next week. Uh, that's all I've got for this week. Mm-hmm. Thank you so all much right. again, Riley. Um, yeah. Thank you, Riley. Talk thank at you, you later. All right. Later. Bye. Bye.